coffee kind of make me nervous when I drink it. Mm -hmm. Episode 130. The move with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Still struggling to master polysyllabic interlocution. And now here are your hosts, Brad, Frank, and Bill. So last Christmas, I went to my to my favorite restaurant for mm-hmm. uh, for breakfast, and I ordered Ed, eggs Benedict, and they brought out. I uh, say Ed Begley. Ed Begley, eggs Benedict, and they brought out a nice chrome plate with the eggs okay. Benedict on it. I was like, "What's wow. the deal?" And they said, "Well, there's no plate like chrome for holidays." I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> a new segment. Brad, uh, hey, I'm Frank, by the way. <laughs> who are you? I'm pointing at I'm you. I'm still laughing, but most people know me as Bill. You're Bill. And who do we got here? Unfortunately, I'm Brad. Brad. That's ah, not unfortunate. And we got, we got a guest who I think is just going to sit in. Yes. Who do we got next to you, Bill? Uh, his name is uh, Aaron. He's a uh, good, strong brother-in-law of mine. So, Greetings. Yes. <laughs> So Greetings. I think he's just going to hang out and listen. He's uh he's he's the cat's meow baby. We'll uh we'll, we may see if we can uh, we can get him into this uh, uh, here in a little bit. Okay. But first we have like actual like stuff to do and yeah you know. we we need to call uh on this show we have yeah. Ethan Van Skyver up right. and Brad I think you're going to call him right now. Yeah I'm dialing. We need to okay. hop to it. Yeah. Yeah we're 15 minutes late. Um you always got to give him a range. You say this, we'll call you between this, is, this and this. Here we go. Don't be exact on the time. The number you have reached has been disconnected. Okay. <laughs> That's going to make the interview very difficult. No, I dialed it wrong. I dialed it wrong. <laughs> Brad, it's only eight digits in zip code, not... Uh, it's actually seven in a zip code. So. Oh, that's how come I keep getting busy singles. My so. goodness. All right. My There's no plate goodness. like Chrome for the holidays. I, you There's know what? no I think plate I just like got Chrome that. for the holidays. It doesn't, doesn't feel any better, though. Doesn't get any better than this, dude. No, this is the good stuff. This is this is why people download the podcast. What's that? Poo poo. Hey, oh, hello. Good. May I speak with Mr. Ethan Van Skyver, please? Oh, you've got him. No, I <laughs> want to speak with Mr. Ethan Van. No, Skyver, I'm first. Please. I'm first. Hello, Ethan. <laughs> this is Brad and Frank and Bill. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you fellows doing? We so, are great. It's wonderful to have you on the phone. Even uh, better Ethan. now. So, uh, wow. hey, and guess what we're doing this time? We're what? using we're using a reliable piece of equipment for recording, <laughs> which is good. Oh, it has been tried and tested, and uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> believed us that we'd actually had an interview with you um, a few months ago. That Back when Flash Rebirth one came that out. we lost, I don't I mean, think they believe us. I mean, that'd be like saying we had an interview with Stan Lee or something. People are going, "Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. okay, sure." Next thing I you're going to tell me, you're that's monster, and my camera malfunctions. So I know exactly <laughs> what Dang it. Nobody will believe me. I would have paid money for those pictures, too. So how you been, <laughs> sir? Well, thank you. Now, Very busy, but well. What are you busy with? <laughs> <Now, don't laughs> we'll, 
We'll go. You don't do a monthly book. What are you busy with? We'll uh, go into that in a second. I have a question for you. Uh, did wait, you, are we recording already? Yes, sir. Is that okay, or would you like us to start over? <laughs> no. We don't mess no, around. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, we'll keep it. We'll keep it rolling. Did That's you, fantastic. You recently went out of country, did you not? Oh yes. Tell yes. us. Can you tell us about that? Oh well, we went to uh, South Africa in April. Uh, my wife and my son and I. And um, it was it was tremendous. It wasn't at all like what we thought it would be like. Um, South Africa is beautiful. They put us up in a wonderful uh, little resort hotel kind of area out in the bush where we uh, stayed amongst giraffes. Neat. Wow. And, uh, all kinds of antelope and, and things like that, rhinoceros. E- Ethan, what took you out there? Yeah. What took you out to South very, Africa? Very, nice. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, what took you to South Africa? Um, well, we, I got an email from um, a guy who owns a comic book store out there, and he said, you know, we don't really get very many visitors from the United States, uh, you know, in the United States comic book scene, and wouldn't it be cool if, if you came out here? And I flipped out, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it would be cool. I, you know, everybody gets to go to Europe, and, and everybody goes to Australia and, and, and Brazil. I mean, it's part of the, the, the comic book circuit, but... I don't know anybody who's been to uh, who's been to Africa um, for a comic book signing. So I absolutely wanted to go, and uh, they were they were good enough to, to bring us all out, and it was it was just amazing. Well, what, wow. what's Fans what's wonderful? What's the comic book um, um, uh, scene like out there? I mean, are there a lot of stores? Are there, are there local comic books in South Africa that are just regional? Um, local comic books. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that every now and then you see some exotic African animals, wildlife, uh, it could be Chicago. Um, you know, it, it's it's really something else. You know, we, we were taken to the mall, and I mean, the, the the interesting thing is, it's like you'll 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 go to these wonderful kind of urban areas of, of shopping, and then you know, right next to that will be you know, areas that that sort of look like, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie should be posing with a lot of children, making hand signs, <laughs> just utter, utter poverty. And we're driving through one of those areas. I mean, really, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing like, nothing comparable to that kind of poverty here in the United States, thank God. Um, but we're, we're driving through, and, and our, our, our guides are, are really cool. They're pointing things out and teaching us about different African tribes. And then we passed by a sex club called A Submission, right in the heart of this poverty, okay? You have to, you have to just picture just dust, sand, people trying to sell old clothing, and, you know, uh, and, and there's this sex club called Submission. And he said, see, I mean, everywhere you go, everybody's got their, uh, their needs. And a <laughs> Submission, an S&M club. How much more do these people have to submit to? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine, like, having to, to, to scrounge for, like, the equivalent of 50 cents American all day long and then wanting to go to a nightclub and pay to have some woman put a stiletto heel in your eye? Um, <laughs> it, it was spectacular. I laughed for a long time about that. Yeah, um, I, but I, anyway, it, it, you know, if you guys do ever have the chance to go over and, and visit Johannesburg, I mean, snatch it up. I, I take it that there's great. a real class divide there. 
Yes, well, there is. There is. I mean, you know, there's, you know, the the, the changes that, that have come over that country since the abolition of uh, apartheid, and, um, you know, they're still feeling those changes. And, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's like I said, I mean, the people that are very nice and friendly to Americans, so. Now, do you think those changes have, uh, have been a, uh, a net benefit for uh, the people there, or um, is it has it just become chaotic? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think so. I think they'd have to be a, a net benefit. But on the other hand, um, one thing that really is different um, is that you'll drive um, up uh, into suburban areas where, you know, I mean, it, it'll look a lot like um, um, some areas in Los Angeles, you know, housing. And, um, you know, nice little houses. But everybody has these, like, 30-foot castle gray skull walls with wow. spikes and everything in front of their houses. And, you know, when you ask them why, uh, they say that, look, you know, when we the, the police are, are virtually non-existent here. Um, you, you know, it's not like in, in the United States where if somebody, you know, burgles your house, you, you call the police and they come. Um, really, it, you know, you're protected by these private security companies. Um, you know, so... You have these you have these gigantic walls that are put up by these security companies that guarantee uh, that they'll be there to help. Should um, while you're away at work, um, tribesmen come down from the hills and break into your house and then do awful things to your family, mm. which is common. Wow. Um, so uh, you know a lot of that. Uh, there, there's still a lot of kind of race hatred there. Now, are we talking um, entire enclaves, or are we talking just individual families and houses? No, everybody has that. Okay. You, um, I mean, you're, used to, you're just used to that. That's part of your lifestyle is protecting yourself from, uh, you know, just criminals breaking into your house and taking everything you own and raping your wife. Wow. And isn't this a wonderful conversation we're having? Let's move on to comics. Okay. Please. Was, speaking of Gene Loring. <laughs> I was just curious. Sorry. Wow. That's, uh, That's okay. It's, it's amazing that it's just, just a, a different, uh, I mean, it's almost like a different planet, um, um, you know, anywhere you go except for America. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, they don't even speak the same language. <laughs> well, I mean, they kind of do. Well, I mean, they have different words <laughs> for everything. Yeah, they do. They have different slang, which is which is cool. I like their slang. They say lecker, and lecker means cool. That's lecker. Really? That is lecker. That's pretty lecker. Yeah, <laughs> lecker. Hey. Um, or sweet. That's what it means. It means sweet. Excellent. So says, you know, people will come up and, and say, oh, I, you know, I got the new issue of Flash Rebirth, and it was lecker, man. And, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah. and, and is it being released there at the same time as here? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, which is which is neat because, uh, and they and they seem to get it for almost the same price, maybe a little bit more. You know, when we were in Athens, Greece last year, we learned that in order for for Greeks to get American comics, they really have to pay about three times the cover because they're imported three different times. Like you know, they really? come to to Europe to certain areas of Europe, like oh, England, man. and then you know the Greeks import them from from those European countries. And so you can get Panini comics there. But but if you're like if you're a real comic book fan and you like American comics, you want the American versions, not the Panini reprints. 
so people are ending up spending nine dollars. I guess we should price. stop complaining about three ninety nine co- comics nowadays. <laughs> then, right. yeah, and they don't complain over there either. But you know, it's uh, it's true. It's 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 different. You know, every place that you go, and they pay like eleven sterling a liter for their petrol. Also, <laughs> so you know, uh, I don't well, even know how to compare that. Motorcycles over there too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ethan, I wanted to ask you a question. Before we start getting into Flash Rebirth and stuff like this, um, and this isn't, doesn't even relate to DC. It relates to Marvel, but Marvel has this line out where uh, it's Captain America Reborn. And I wanted, to, I wanted to get your opinion on that because it really does feel like, like they're trying to steal something that DC started. I don't know if you have an opinion on it, but have you seen it? Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Yeah, what, I mean, what do you think? Well, it's okay. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is um, you know, Marvel kind of has a has a claim to uh, to the name Rebirth anyway, because I think the the original formula, the the project that that brought about Steve Rogers as Captain America was called Project Rebirth or Project Reborn or something right. like that. Uh, so Captain America Reborn is cheeky, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's clearly kind of a, a jab at, at us or or an attempt to sort of duplicate what we're doing. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it's, it's kind of appropriate. <laughs> so, I okay. mean, we saw it and we chuckled. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, um, partisanship aside, you know, Marvel and DC take from each other all the time. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's one of those things. And, and honestly, it, it's one of their biggest characters. So in a way, it's kind of flattering. And it is interesting that you, you see uh, or you hear all the time that uh, – um, people say that, oh man, uh, you know, DC is trying to become more like Marvel because they're the the big dogs on the block, and I, I've never really understood that. I mean, maybe their sales are better, but I, I'm a DC guy. But um, you're now seeing uh, Marvel starting to steal, you know, ideas from DC, and, and you know, it's, it's it's not actual theft. I'm sure it's okay, just you know have. borrowing from they each other. They always have a good idea. Is a good idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I was just reading. Uh, was there's I'm, a, I'm chomping at the bit here as a Marvel guy. Okay. You gotta you got like Ethan said. Both companies take. That, that's yeah. That's all other. I'm saying. You know, yeah. I'll point out something I pointed out last uh, couple episodes ago. The Batman uh, mm-hmm. titles all have that reborn yeah, word exactly, next to them. Yes. Pretty dadgum sure they weren't solicited with reborn next to them. Okay. So <laughs> I, you know that that's a jab at Marvel or whatever. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it's all fun. They're it's all, all about branding these days. If it boys. wasn't for the other each other companies, you know, the, they wouldn't be doing as good as they are now. I mean, yeah. true. DC owns Marvel well, and Marvel owns DC. Marvel Wednesday comics. Well, there's a uh, that yeah, that's an interesting too long, idea. Um, yeah. Now, I, I was looking, and uh, man, there's a character. Uh, uh, Marvel uh, has a character, and I'm not sure where this comes from, but they've got a character named Brainiac who looks exactly like really? the Legion's Brainiac. <laughs> I mean, he, well, he looks like the Superman Brainiac. He's got the little beads with the you know the lines going from B to B, to, you know, around his his head, almost like a crown like thing. What book did you see that? Um, in? It is in. Um, uh, you know what? Um, if you guys will vamp for a second, I'll go uh, snag it. It was in. Um, gosh, I'm. I'm. Oh, I'm not very smart. Um, well, this was well, a. We do uh, have the internet in front of us. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, Ethan, I have a question for you. Uh, what yeah. are you drawing right now at this very moment while you're speaking with us? Because we know you're Jay, drawing. Yeah, of course. I'm drawing Jay Garrick beating up Professor Zoom. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. What wow. issue? What issue is that? issue four i mean we're we're you know wow. i'm i'm trying to to bang this thing out so that it'll ship close to on time uh you know i'm running behind on this thing obviously but uh it's i mean issue four is so cool it's just it's a big action issue so well uh, half, there's a lot to be done hey, half hour wasted officially 
uh, approves and sanctions the delays between issues of flash rebirth, so you can get it oh, done the way you want. Don't say that. Yeah. No, we well, do. I think I know. don't. <laughs> I do. Well, I'm just all the. I'm Brad Milo, and I approve this delay. <laughs> nice. I'm Frank Rincon, uh-huh. and you get to work right now, Ethan. Oh my goodness! That's right. And I just right. we we we, we went through this. Not good. They're inexcusable. <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know, why or, or or what. I mean, it's just, you know, it's uh, the, really the the big. Uh, the, the most difficult part of producing the comic book is me, um, is the artist, almost always. You know, I mean, with, maybe maybe Kevin Smith is the exception as writer, okay. <laughs> uh, who has a lot to do. But uh, the art always takes the longest, so it's got to get out of my hands. And uh, once it's out of my hands, it'll it'll ship. Uh, you know. Now, how uh, long? Uh, weeks after that. That's interesting because uh, how long uh, does it generally take uh, for the uh, the colorist to uh, do his or her fine work? His final well, it case. depends on the colorist. I mean, exactly. you know, you know, but but this guy we have now, Brian Miller at Hi Fi, is spectacular, mm-hmm. and he's following me along. So it's like you know, I'll turn oh, in okay. pages and he colors them, um, which is different than how you know it's usually done. Usually, the colorist gets the whole book as a package and yeah. uh, starts working on it from there. But because you know, it's like yeah, we got a late start on this book. Um, you know, he's he's following us along and then we're gonna we're gonna put this thing out as soon as possible and that's all I'm doing. Well, we went through all this during, you know, the, the whole Final Crisis thing where you know, I can't believe these delays and it seems like it's been eight months, you know, between issues, you know, four and five or, or whatever it was. And It's not going to be like that. Don't, I mean, listen, oh, we're talking about two-week delays, not not a month delay, not yeah. two, three months. We're talking about, a, you know, a couple of weeks. And, and I mean, for me, the, the thing about it is, is that, as everybody knows, you know, I'm an artist that likes to take two or three months to draw a book. I mean, that's me comfortably um, putting everything that, that I want to put in there into a comic book and still having a life. <laughs> and, and Flash Rebirth is my uh, kind of attempt um, to get fast. And, and getting fast, to me, right now, is about six or seven weeks to do a book. Okay. And then I think issue three took me um, four weeks. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, issue we, issue three was the fastest I've ever done, but to me it's just chock full of moments that I think I could have done better on it. You know, corners that had to have been cut. and You know, I, I want to get fast and I want to maintain the quality, and, and so it's to me it's like a, finding some sort of middle ground and getting more comfortable with my drawing style um, as, as I get faster. And uh, all of that stuff is sort of going on right now. But the uh, Flash Rebirth is definitely kind of like a... Um, an evolutionary step for me as a comic book artist. From this, I would like to be able to be um, a monthly artist. Uh, and that doesn't mean 12 issues a year, but it could mean 8 to 10. And uh, that would be that would be spectacular for me, just to have that kind of output and get to tell that many stories. Ethan, I solicited uh, some questions uh, from some of our friends and listeners, and a guy named Ken, okay. a guy named Ken asked a question that you just answered. I wanted. I wasn't going to rehash the question, but I wanted to let you know that without trying, you answered Ken's question. What was Ken's question? You sure you want to hear it? <laughs> yes, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I'll uh, take abuse at uh, this point. Go ahead. Uh, well, first he says, ask him why he's so awesome. And then he says on a more serious note, with Flash... Now that's a hard-hitting question. Yes, <laughs> it is. With Flash Rebirth 3, there was a lot of talk about how your art seemed rushed or even unfinished. Also, there's talk that you're interested in doing more as a monthly artist, not for just specials and miniseries. 
Is being the regular artist on a monthly title something you want to do? If so, has your style changed in your eyes for better or worse as you try to work faster if, in fact, you're doing that? So you basically covered all those points in that in that in um, your last comment. There you have it, Ken. Yeah, and it, it's, it's really true. I mean, the, 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 you know, yeah, we can all do comic books in, in a month. We can, we can all do comic books in two weeks. But, I mean, for me, I've, I've built up a really good loyal fan following by working, working, working very hard on producing very, very detailed art. I mean, there, there's some people who, who, who say, oh, it's over-detailed, it's, it's over... But, see, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's what... I feel like it's finished when I turn it in that way. I feel like I've, you know, it looks the way it's supposed to look. And at the same time, a lot of people have sort of come to me and, and become fans because of that. So changing that is, is kind of a, a strange prospect. But at the same time, I, I, you know, for myself, for my own sake, I, I want to do more books. You know, I, I, I hate having to spend, you know, five months on, on a 48-page special that's only one story that's going to take people 15 minutes to read. I, I would like to do, you know, I look at guys like Scott Collins and Howard Porter and, and other guys who have worked on The Flash, and they really got to stick on the book for a long time and tell the Gorilla Grodd story and tell the Captain Cold and the Mirror Master story because they were so quick. Um, and uh, that right now is, is, is what I'm aiming for without too much of a loss of quality. Yeah. And, I, and I guess you have to try to find that medium where you're happy and you can deliver it on time and not compromise. I mean, I'm sure there's tricks that all artists have where no, they, they know how to... The problem with art is that you, you never get finished with a work of art. You just have to start working on something else at some point. You have to let it go. Yeah. You have to abandon it at some point. And the other thing is, the, I mean, time is, is definitely like a real... Quantity. I mean, yeah. you know, you when, when you when you're doing a page a day, which is basically what you need to do in order to uh, to turn in a book that's going to come out. I mean, you have a limited number of hours that aren't spent sleeping, eating, bathing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Take care of the kids there and draw a page. And so when you're looking at what your job is every day, you look at a page and say there's six panels, and these are the images that I've got to put down on paper within a span of ten to twelve hours. I mean, literally, you have to break it up and go, okay, what's most important? This panel, I'm going to allow myself four hours, but this one I have to do in one hour. You see what I mean? So it yeah. becomes all about time management. And really, the, the advantage of, of not being a monthly artist is that you don't have to worry about any of that. You say, you know, this, is, this, is my, this page, you know, in order for me to tell this story the way that I think it should be told, the best way, not the quickest way, not the most convenient way. It's going to take three days and not one day. Um, and, you know. Uh, That's cool. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I was... having this fight with myself right now, guys. I mean, it's, it's not, I haven't made up my mind either way, like which way I'm going to go. Is that why um, you spend so much time on Facebook, Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have Facebook open on my desk most of the day. I was um, just so I can. Whenever I have a thought that comes into my head, I'll rattle it off onto my Facebook. See, I was kind of wondering um, how much of a, a you know how much of a quota you gave yourself. You know, and you've kind of answered it there. But uh, the idea: Are you trying to do you know one page a day? You know, do you try to allot yourself a certain amount of time? And you know, does it depend on you know the images you're drawing? 
Um, yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, I mean, I, you know, we're looking through uh, looking through issue three, and I'm trying to figure out where you might have cut corners on this because I don't see any blank backgrounds. You know, I don't see characters' heads, you know, against a you know a white background or anything. Uh, I mean, there's just John Byrne. There's so much to, John Byrne. <laughs> well, see, John Byrne, well, Byrne, John Byrne right. had Terry Austin to help him out, too, when John Byrne was at his best. And yeah. um, I, I, I've always kind of thought that uh, um, you, you ink yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, um, I've always kind of thought that, uh, that your inks remind me a little bit of Terry Austin. I mean that as a, as a total compliment. But just, well, it, it would be because he's one of the best thinkers ever. But Good heavens, yes. But just the fact yeah. that, that your lines are so precise and it looks like you use such a fine, you know, a fine uh, uh, pen to ink with. Um, you know, it's the, the, the art is never is sloppy or, or sludgy or, you know, dense. It's always very crisp and clean, just apparently just like you're hoping for. So, hey, you know, congratulations. Um, you know, um, um, we, uh, issue six was just solicited in... Okay. In um, previews and Brad, were you going to read? Were you, we yeah. love the description for issue six. I want to read the read the. Um, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. The previews well, solicitation. Yes, for re- Flash Rebirth six, it tells you everything and, okay. and, and nothing, thing. which is <laughs> okay. the way solicitation should be. <laughs> In a battle along the outskirts of time, the secrets of the Speed Force have been revealed. They have. Apparently, I must have missed that. This is number six. Oh, well, that explains that. The new arch nemesis of those who ride the lightning is coming for Iris Allen. That's interesting. Uh, new arch nemesis. Oh. Not too sure about that. And the Barry Allen you knew is gone forever. Or is he? <laughs> Dang it. Or is he? Or is he? <laughs> what changed does Wally West face? Right there, they should have put in, or does he face a change? <laughs> What destiny will Kid Flash choose? You know who I think is writing this? The Sphinx from Mystery Men. That's who's writing these. Probably so. What changes does Wally West face? What destiny will Kid Flash choose? Prepare to meet a Flash family that's both familiar and different. <laughs> See, that is that is awesome. When, when we read that, because we get previews here, or at least Brad and I do, we just started laughing because, like you said, Brad, it tells you everything and nothing. They need to hire the dude that writes for Woot. Yes, <laughs> that would be tremendous. Have you ever uh, have you ever gone to woot dot com? And I don't mean to uh, don't mean to give them a, a free plug, but um, it's a, uh, a company here in, uh, in in Dallas that uh, they they specialize in selling one thing a day, and the sales start at midnight. So you can go look at their their records. You know, at like twelve oh one, they'll get a spike of people buying whatever it is. So at midnight, people will go and look at Woot and say, "Okay, hey, I want that Lynx that refurbished Linksys router, or you know that that <laughs> toaster oven, or whatever." And um, that but, set of absorbent coasters. Yes, the, the ShamWow, oh. <laughs> the ShamWow collection. But uh, the thing that makes uh, Woot interesting is that the uh, the the writer or writers are cheeky and and extremely smart, and uh, their their descriptions are are consistently amusing. So um, yeah, so it, maybe uh, maybe those guys ought to start writing for uh, Previews Magazine. I mean, <laughs> it's like looking through Cosmo, though. I've just I've never been able to get into Previews Magazine. Um, because I kind of I kind of like to be surprised sometimes, you know. Well, uh, the, the, that description is perfect because it, yeah. it leaves everything. To it's surprise. certainly not hooking you up. All solicitations should be written in yeah. this fashion, or should they? Or should they? <laughs> well, and and here's okay. I don't know what this says about me, but I went into an LCS uh, last Wednesday. This is totally off subject, so I'm sorry to take up time with this. But I went in 
and um, uh, picked up a, a couple copies. I was I was initially behind an uh, X Men, and uh, all of a sudden I see this Utopia banner, and it's like, what is this? I have no idea. It's Utopia issue one. It's like I I don't know what this is. I've never heard of this before. I'll go ahead and buy it. And that kind of stuff actually happens to me because I don't spend time you know diving through the uh, the previews magazines, you know, figuring out you know what solicitations are coming up. So you know when a new comic book comes out, I haven't seen the cover yet. I don't know what it looks like, and. Uh, Life is good. I like it like that. There's you some know? advantages I like to that. Surprises. But I you know, I, the reason I look at previews is because I don't want to miss something. Yeah. You know that that I would kill myself for missing. Indeed. You know? Hello? Indeed. Hello? Well, that's that's the nice thing about the LCS is that they've got the uh, they've got the new this week and then they've got the last, you know, months worth of issues over here and so and in fact that's where I picked up those X-Men issues. It's like I didn't even realize it was come out yet. What a drag. Anyway, sorry to uh, sorry to uh, aside there. Well, you're right. Though. I think previews is good and bad. I mean, on the one hand, um, you know, it, it's good to that the fans are aware of what's coming out so that they can pre-order it. I mean, nowadays you cannot depend on uh, every local comic shop owner to make sure that he has everything in stock for you when you get there. I, I learned that lesson myself uh, a couple months ago. Um, huh. But um, yeah, I mean, on the other hand. We're, you know, you're you're sort of obligated to give so much away um, three months ahead of time. I mean, it would be one thing if it were like next month. Here's what's coming up. You know, like they like teaser trailers at the end of Lost or, yeah. or something like that. But no, we have to do it three months ahead of time. Um, show art, and so you know, when it comes to that, I mean, we've had to we've had to concoct fake covers for Flash Rebirth. That is what um, I was wondering. Issues number four and five, nobody's seen the real covers. Or six, nobody's seen the real covers because uh, <laughs> we can't show them because they're spoilerific. And so that's, that, that's you know, the extra thought and energy has to go into that just to, to sort of, you know, allow the, the story to be a surprise. Oh, that is so um, great. But also the bad news is, is that, you know, people kind of feel they have fatigue by the time the book actually comes out. You know, it's like, uh, you know, the Flash Rebirth should be over now. And and now let's talk about the ongoing series and, and how many extra series there should be, even though we're only halfway through it. Um, it's already over in terms of solicitations. Uh, so, I, you know, it, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Mostly a curse, I think. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's one of those, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely want to stay away from the previews. I mean, I'm one of those guys, I, I don't usually like to spoil things. I mean, sometimes it happens, but... Um, you know, if you're reading the previews magazines, you know, you get to the end of uh, Final Crisis or Secret Invasion or whatever, you know, uh, um, The Blackest Night, uh, if you will. And, um, you know, you get, you know, I'm picking up the last issue on the, on the newsstand. Well, you know, two months ago, I could have uh, found out what is happening, you know, in the ongoing story, which most likely would almost have to give, you know, something away from the story that I'm reading right now. So, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, I prefer to. You know, just just let uh, let Mr. Johns and yourself, um, you know, um, you know, thrill us. You there know, monthly. was there was something pretty magical about going into the store on yeah. Wednesdays when I was a teenager. Yeah, and just seeing the new stuff on the rack and going, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> you know, and they had checklists. I mean, remember those old Marvel comics? You would pick it up, and they would say, "You know, this week," yep. and they yeah. would have a checklist of everything that they put out, which is essentially all that you need. You know, you're not going to miss anything 
if you're going in every week and there's that checklist so that you make sure that you are at least aware of what came out. Yeah, there's there's one um, LCS. Back then, of course, retailers used to buy everything. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, now with subscription services and everything, you, you honestly, you need previews because you cannot be guaranteed that the, um, you know, the, the strange indie book that only you like is going to be carried by a retailer, so... Yeah, we're very lucky. Like I said, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, we're very lucky in North Dallas that uh, it seems like uh, our, our LCS is uh, stocking pretty well. Um, I'm sure they don't get everything, but you know, it's it's a lot better than living in, like, Antlers, Oklahoma, <laughs> or Hugo, Oklahoma, or Broken Bow, Oklahoma. <laughs> well, let, let's talk. Oklahomans like comics, so, <laughs> I, I, yeah, they're, they're good like that. Fantastic. Um, but but for some reason here, let me let me bash my own state for a second. Cause this is uh, Florida, right? My local right? comic shop sucks. Um, I, and I I had to uh, you know well, the the day Flash Rebirth number three came out, I went to go buy a copy because I hadn't seen it yet, <laughs> and uh, the guy was sold out. And it was it was five p.m. Does he know who you are? Did you tell them who you were? <laughs> well, I didn't think he knew. Okay, so I I went in there quietly because I don't like to honestly I don't like to. It feels weird. You know, <laughs> Just sort of slam the door open and say, "Do you know who I am, honey? <laughs> yeah, I'm I, home." <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's that's not that's not my style. So ideally, I can go into a place kind of anonymously and and sort of say, "Hey, do you have this comic book?" and buy it and leave without having to talk about whatever. But um, uh, you know, the, the guy was like, "No, I, I, you know, really, I only ordered enough for subscribers." And oh. I was like, "We'll see." You know, this isn't cool. You failed me because I'm not a subscriber. I just heard about it on the internet, maybe, and came in to buy it, and you couldn't help me. And it's it's like it's like one of the it's a top ten selling comic, a top five selling comic, and you don't have one on five o'clock the day of its release. You are a bad retailer. Yeah, you, you know. So I, I went home, and then sure enough, on my on my Facebook page, the guy had written to me, so he knew who I was. <laughs> he never bothered to say, "Hey, Mister Van Skyver, how are you? Oh. Welcome to my shop." Um, but he he wrote a little pointed message that said, "Sorry, I failed you." And it's like, well, you know, it failed me. You know, you, your customers. You know, good good lord. You know, you, you yeah. should go into a into a, a comic shop where they don't know you and just kind of say, "Hey, this Ethan Van Scare, he's pretty good. He's kind of look at the just kind of good. Don't you f- like it? Find the first two page well, splash. Go look at this. You do. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you may do the first like two or three years of your career. Yeah. You know, <laughs> have you heard of this book called Cyber Frog? Nice. <laughs> it's Everyone's hot. Talking about it. Yeah, yeah we, used, we used to do that with half hour waste. It'd be like, "Hey, have you guys heard about this?" Nah, nowadays <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> It's like you, you know where we are if you want to find us. You know. <laughs> so let, let's talk about Flash uh, Rebirth three. Yay. I know four's getting ready to come out, but uh, but Ethan just right off the bat, this is the book that that hit me out of the park. It was just like, yeah, this cool. one was a lot of fun, and the ending was just like wowzers. It's so good. In fact, I read the whole series again this morning, from issue one all the way down, and and now that we and this is spoilers. Now that we know that's Professor Zoom, you read that issue one. Uh, with that person lurking in the background and reading his dialogue, and suddenly it seems so obvious that it is Professor Doom based on the dialogue. But that's yeah. with hindsight. Uh, that's you know that's with hindsight. And this is yeah. the this is the Eobard Thawne Zoom, is it not? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, 
I, I've been uh, combing my uh, LCSs. Trying, I'm going to have to order the dang things online. But uh, some of the original uh, uh, run-ins with uh, the, the great reverse flash, uh, flash issues 236 and 237, and there's some others. But uh, um, just, you know, remember having them when I was a kid and, uh, you know, want to get them back just for, uh, you know, you know, midlife crisis purposes. But, um, uh, yeah, just the, the fact that you reintroduced that particular character, um, magnificent. Magnificent. I remember correctly. I love this particular character. I've been waiting for for the reveal for a long time just to get a chance to uh, um, to, to work on him because I you know I, I make it no secret I really do prefer the villains to the heroes in almost every situation. Oh, cool. Um, that's why you named your that's why you named your son after the other what Sinestro Zoom. No. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. He named his son Hunter after Hunter Zolomon. Yes. Excellent. You know what's funny. It was the other way around. I know. But, you told us that last time we talked. <laughs> <laughs> I was being silly. By now it could be, you know. Um, now, that, now that the name Hunter Zalman is, has become so uh, so uh, common in, in, in comic book language and lingo, yeah, it's, it's like we named Hunter after him. But, but um, no, it, you know, uh, the truth is the heroes have to be, uh, they're, you know, they're individual, but, but there, there's only so much that you can do with, with nobility and and yeah. heroism as an artist uh, you know I, I i enjoy drawing flash i like drawing uh, bart allen an awful lot and uh and and jay garrick and wally um but really with the with the villains there's 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 a whole panoply of, of neuroses that and and you know mental illness that you can uh uh, inflict upon them and make them more interesting. <laughs> I mean, I you know that Sinestro was was what he was. You know, I mean, before we got to him, and then we decided to make him an icy cold kind of fascist, yeah. but, you know, fellow and and you know profoundly arrogant and and you know modeled him after Hitler. And thank you for shrinking his forehead too. <laughs> that was that was a good choice. Well, you know what? You can thank somebody named Peter Tomasi for that. Because oh really? My first, oh yes. If you ever find the original art for Green Lantern Rebirth number four, the last page where Sinestro shows up for the first time, I drew his forehead like it was a mile high <laughs> um, meringue pie. I mean, it was so, because I was thinking of I was thinking of the Hulk's the leader. Uh, right, you know, I, was, I, yeah. I, I like Sinestro, but like I, I really hadn't put much thought into who he was yet. And uh, so my instinct was just, oh, he's the leader. So he's got this stupid grin on his face and a huge forehead. Now I turned it in, and Pete Tomasi took one look at it and said, dude, we're going to fix that in production. And wow. I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like, his head cannot be that big. <laughs> and uh, so the version, and he gave me a big lecture about it. We had fights back and forth about Sinestro. He was the editor, obviously. Oh, okay, that's what I was wondering, because wasn't Tomasi... Yeah, uh... he was Pete Tomasi... He writes now. He yeah, writes he, he's the writer Corps. of Green Lantern Corps. Okay, because I was yeah, I was wondering exactly why he would have that, uh, why he would be able to you know uh, dictate that to you. Right. He he quit his editorial job because I mean the great thing about Pete as an editor was he was so creative that you could you know he had story ideas and he really did have ideas. He shouldn't have been an editor. He should have been a writer, which he is now. Um, but you know from then on, you know we used to have fights about like. Sinestro should be big and muscular and young, and I'd be like, "No, he's skinny and he's old and he's ugly." <laughs> you know, he and and he's like, "But people don't like villains, supervillains, to look old. They want them to look powerful and tough." And I, 
I said, I don't think this generation's like that. I think, in fact, they're suspicious of old people. You know what I mean? The, wow. the older generation with their with their old ideas and 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 everything like that. I think, uh, you know, that kind of a supervillain, uh, you know, right now is is due. Um, so anyway, I won, and Sinestro is what he is now. Fantastic. Um, despite Pete Tomasi, except for the gigantic forehead, which <laughs> yeah. is big. And I couldn't agree more. I never trust anybody over thirty, except for well, me and Brad and uh, you. I never Ethan trust anybody yet yeah, who's a decade older than you. Uh, I think you <laughs> that's a good. That, keep yeah, that with you. Yeah. The fact the that you. Life, the fact or, that you. Or younger, as a matter of fact. Oh, a good point. Older or younger, because young kids, God knows what they're up to. You can't trust those people in their twenties anymore. No. They're getting ready no, to sell no, us no. down the river. The fact that you would draw. Uh, Van, uh, Van Scott. The fact that you would draw Sinestro like that, not muscular, just like a normal-looking dude, made that scene in Rebirth where he, or not Rebirth, it was in the Sinestro Core War where yep. he f- was fist fight mm-hmm. with uh, with Hal and Kyle. Yeah, just the three of them. That's what made that scene so powerful for me. Is because this is not a bodybuilder. This is just a guy that looks like me. Yeah, giving it his all in a fist fight, and that's. To me, that's what made that scene so powerful was that it was he was not a bruiser. Yeah, and that was great. I mean, it wasn't Superman versus Dark Side. I mean, that was you know, I mean, like you know, if anything could actually happen, you know, in, in a comic book, you know, if you could ever say that, you know, well, this might actually happen, then well, that might actually happen, you know, the way it was uh, it was picted, and uh, well, it was, it's it was not wonderful. A, it's not a battle of, of strength; it's a battle of ideology, yeah. and that's that's what you know Green Lantern's all about now. So. You know, even with the, especially with the other cores, and then, you know, what we're doing with Blackest Night, what we're doing, what they're doing with Blackest Night, thank God I don't have to draw any of that. <laughs> wow. Um, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you draw? an awful lot of work. I, you know, the idea of having to do seven cores fighting, I did the one splash page where I designed them all, and I was yes. like, if it's going to be eight issues of this for 22 pages... I think we're looking at uh, an annual that will last eight years if I draw it. So you dropped it in Mackey's um, lap and said, good luck, sucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, anyway, so, so getting back to, to Flash, um, uh, you know, we're now examining who Eobard Thawne is. And, and just like Sinestro, where, you know, there were there were things about Sinestro that were always sort of implied but never really expressly brought out by any creative team before. Um, professor, the professor, mm. is the same way. And you really think about, you know, what what Flash is about um, and, and, and the, uh, you know, they're, they're oh, I have to, I can't say everything I want to say. Um, there, there are clues and hints in Flash Rebirth Three that'll direct you to where we're going, um, and what you know what the theme of the series is, and what the theme of Flash will be from here on out. Um, and the Professor, I emphasize, Zoom, um, plays right, right into that. He's so important to it, and and the new take on who he is. Um, is also very important and relevant to, I think, American society right now. Really? Um, as everything uh, in fiction, in good science fiction, should be. Okay, I'm intrigued. I mean, I was yeah, already, wait, wait but... Wait and see. I, w- I would love to just spout off of the mouth ab- about this. I-, I will, when the book is finished. Hey, you know what? Give... We could stop recording right now, and you could just let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scout's Honor, if you yeah. want to, we'll stop recording. <laughs> um, I mean, it, you know, it is... It, 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 
to us, it's kind of like starting um, starting from the ground floor again because Greenland and Rebirth was the same kind of situation where there was so much there, and and we had found um, you know that there there was more to discover. I mean, the more we sort of laid down and and um, um, you know got across, the more we realized that there was until we got to the point where you know Roy G. Biv happened and then it. Okay. Uh, it seemed like the whole concept came together and finally, like, full circle, you know, made sense. And, you know, f- we're, we're having that same kind of experience with Flash Rebirth where, you know, there are pieces of this puzzle that, that are strewn about from speedster character to speedster character in the DCU that, when combined as a cohesive whole, um, points a direction, an exciting direction. And, and um, the reason for why Barry Allen is needed today. And uh, there we go. You know, uh, See, maybe I should write cryptic or uh, solicitation. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> I mean, it's the opposite of everything I just said. Touche, sir. <laughs> hey, Ethan, what's your favorite uh, uh, page in three? Because there's, so there's so many neat pages in it. Uh, is there one that stands out or one that you really like that you just, that you're I haven't proud looked at of? it. Let me see. So you finally found LCS the copy for you. Huh? <laughs> While you're looking, DC sends me these like a week late now. So by the time everybody's already read it and they're sick of it, I'm just getting it. Wow. And I'm already sick of it, and I haven't seen it yet. So it's you know, I I would like to say, and, and we talked about this just briefly on Facebook that one time you were on about how you decided to use fractals to show what the speed force was, and I thought that was such a neat idea. Oh, cool. Yeah, let's talk about that sequence here. Yeah, because for those who don't know, fractals go on forever. It, it's like you're constantly zooming in, but they, but they just continue existing, and there's no end to them. While you're looking for that page, let me just wax nostalgic here. The last time I think I remember seeing Eobard Thawne zoom was when Barry Allen broke his neck. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Is so. Is this right? Okay. So, yeah, we're, we're talking That's just, a big question just like there. Barry. I mean, he's been out for 20-some-odd years. Now, I can't remember if we've asked this amongst ourselves, um, yes. but I'll ask Ethan. Have we seen this rod with the lightning bolts Dang on it, it that he, Zoom is carrying? There you go, stealing my thunder. Oh, that's my, that's my addition to this character. Excellent. Okay, awesome. Um, and and the, the reason for it, well... Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. I, I don't think this is a spoiler at all, but, yeah, he... Um, I want this character to have a new kind of uh, a new kind of attitude about him, and that attitude is one of elitist academia. Okay, um, hmm. to that's the point where he he knows an awful lot, and that, he's got this, this rod that sol- that that serves a lot of different purposes. But it also really kind of basically and aesthetically acts the same way a professor's pointer does. Okay. Yeah. Smack the student's kind of knuckles thing. with it. General Patton's uh, writing crop, basically. As soon as you say, yeah, yes. you know, wake up. Okay. You know, be educated. Um, but there's there's more to it than that. But to me, I just I think it's a uh, I think it's kind of a cool thing for him to have, and then we'll, we'll explain more of it now, later. I was, I was wondering, you know, was there any tie uh, tie in or callback to uh, the Lightning Saga? Um, you know, because we're still trying to figure out exactly what that was all about. Yeah, we're we're still waiting for the the resolution of that story. I think, you know, what what was the actually you know, what, what, which was that? Um, the 
JLA, JLA, JSA crossover uh, about a year and a half ago. Which um, which bleeds oh. into Legion of Three Worlds. Yes. Um, which hasn't concluded yet. Good God, we're still waiting on that. And <laughs> well, it kills me because the, the, the Legion, um, you know, I, I read so many titles you know, growing up as a kid because they were 30 cents a pop, 40 cents a pop, and you could afford them. You, know, you go blow 20 bucks at the store and you come back with a stacking you barely carry. These days, 20 bucks is about what it takes you to get through each Wednesday. Um, you know, okay, I'll take my five books. Here's your 20 bucks. You know, thanks. Um, yeah. but, um, uh, but yeah, I just, I've, I've truly, uh, uh, you know, just, I've truly enjoyed getting back into it in the last five years or so. I, I, you know, became a, became an adult and had better things to do for a while. And then, um, thanks to these uh, good people I'm sitting at the uh, table with, um, they reintroduced me to, uh, the, the, the miracle of comic books. And, uh, you know, you, you sit there and you, you kind of gripe. You say, man, you know, our comics, you know, used to be 40 cents and now they're $4 and what's going on. But when you really sit down and look at it, and especially, you know, you know, you're, you're not the only one, but you're certainly the first to come to mind right now. Um, uh, just, you know, you look through the book and, and you realize that, you know, it's not just a story, you know, it, it's, you know, this is a, this is a work of art and, you know, to appreciate someone. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I, well, I, I mean, I, I, I appreciate people who, who would say something like that, but dude, I, you know, really, I'd like it to be one step above the disposable entertainment that it used to be, which to me means that the prices are too high. Well, and, and, you know, um, we're just, that's just not, you know, that, that is, I think that's a, a very noble thought, and and I wish it could be like that too. But it's you know we're never going to turn the clock back. I mean, it's never going to be you know it's never going back to newsprint. They're never going to be forty five cents again. You know, yeah. you know in today's you know today's uh, money. But um, you at know, least the, not the, the printed form. I mean, if it, if it, I mean, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, not to put too much pressure <laughs> on the the writers, or the artists. But you know, you guys, you know, it. I mean, it, I'm sorry. You know, it is a work of art. You know, it may be. You know, it may be relative, um, you know, and, and sometimes, it, you know, it may be more interesting or better or whatever than others. But, you know, it, it's not just you. I mean, you look at uh, um, the, the first uh, issue of Justice League uh, uh, written by James Robinson with art by Mauro uh, uh, Cascioli. Um, you know, oh, it's the, just, uh, the cry for justice thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting oh, there looking no, at the art. Good. And it's just, you know, for me, I can handle paying 3 $4 a comic when you get on the inside of the comic what you give us and what i mean there and i'm one of those that uh, i'm i'm a huge fan of alex ross and greg land and a lot of the the photorealistic uh, look um Cascioli gives us that very painted look which is just it's almost indescribable i mean it's wonderful um uh, you know it, it's kind of like what you do i mean i, I sat you know, all three of the issues that we've seen of yours have been magnificent. But I just remember opening up, you know, the number one, the cover to Flash Rebirth 1 is one of my favorite pieces of art of all time. I would love, 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 love to have that on my wall. And to open up the first page, and it's not even the Flash. There's nothing happening in it. You know, it's exposition, but it's the city scene. And then, you know, a little closer shot and a little closer shot. And then, and I'm just sitting there looking at it. You know, looking at the detail, and I'm I'm just getting lost in the detail of the first page where nothing's actually happening, and you know, so I mean, it just it just goes to show, you know, how much work, you know, you specifically and many other people are putting into it, and you know, I mean, it, at, at that point, the the idea of paying three or four bucks for a comic becomes a lot more palatable, and it's because y'all, you know, care and, and do such a uh, such a fine job, um, because you know, frankly, if it was you know a bunch of 
you know, Silver Age, 60s plot lines, um, you know, if it was, you know, God bless Steve Ditko, you know, if it was something like that, I wouldn't be interested. But, you know, the the art of producing art in a comic book, you know, has has risen so much. Yeah, I mean, you can still go back and have a, a, a retro look, you know, like they did with the uh, the, the Century um, miniseries that Marvel did uh, not too long ago. A very retro 60s look. But, you know, the art that you the all put out in comics these days, just, uh, number one, it wasn't possible back then because you didn't have the technology. Um, but, you know, the, the, the care and precision that you all put into it, you know, is amazing. And I'm just, I'm basically just, just audio drooling on you right now. So my apologies. I'll... You know, email well, you, a, uh, email and, and you a tissue or something. Thanks on behalf of uh, <laughs> everyone else, I guess. But look, I, the, the the thing is, it's like uh, comics are evolving. Now, ideally, I, you know, I would like to be able to put out, you know, books that are, like I said, one step above disposable, okay. right? So it's like, uh, w- which means that, uh, yeah, you read it once and you may read it twice. To me, to me, doing a comic book that's read more than once is, is a success. You're, you're on your way to, to having produced a classic there because most comic books, you read once and you're done with it. Um, but the way things are kind of changing, the, 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 the demands that I think readers are placing um, on the actual product, um, which started, I think, uh, back with uh, computer, the introduction of computer coloring and better paper. Yeah. Um, and now it's it's a competition among ourselves to produce better and better artwork and better and more exciting stories, more compelling storylines. Yeah, the prices are going up. Um, and I guess as long as as long as fans are still willing to pay for it, we'll you know we'll still we'll still do it. But yeah. I, I I wonder if it's I mean, everything's changing right now. The comics really are changing into something completely different. I think even even with this new kind of, you know, DVD attitude that, that you know, uh, is coming into uh, into into the floor where, uh, you know, you don't watch a television show anymore on TV. I mean, you can, but a lot of people, myself included, will often just wait for the DVD collection of the TV show and then just have it all at once. And, and comics are sort of becoming the same way, where now we're planning for stories um, that will hopefully remain in print in perpetuity. So, you know, you do these six-issue arcs, and you, you do the best work that you can in the hopes that it'll sell beyond its one-month lifespan. Um, and I, I think it's going to, to, e- to push even further in that direction, where... Um, the majority of comic book fans are waiting for trades. It terrifies everyone, but I, I, you know, I don't see why it should. I think it's, I think it's probably a good thing. Well, and, and you wonder, you know, is is the is the ultimate uh, uh, future of comic books to be where you know you you get six issues worth together and you put out the trade without even it hitting the newsstand? I mean, I can't imagine it ever getting there, but it kind of seems like a logical extension of what's happening now, where everything is geared towards the release of a uh, of a trade and i just you know i've had people tell me that yeah i mean it's, it's going to be like that and and my my thoughts are that well that's just nuts i mean there's you know but you, you see it now you see the illusion of pain with you know with with sales dropping on yeah. monthly books and and you can't i mean it's it must be happening in television too where sponsors are saying where are the viewers well 
some of the viewers have gone to DVR, but a lot of us are waiting for DVD. Okay. Um, in which case, you'll never know how many people are viewing this product or, or who plan to. And, and comics are the same situation where um, yes, I don't know how many people are, are going to wait to read Blackest Night in trade paperback form, Flash Rebirth in trade paperback form, but an awful lot because I see my statements every month. So are, are we peeling off monthly readers in favor of um, the eventual collections, and can we anticipate those and not get too scared if we see um, a, a gradual decline in sales um, in comics just as a whole? Well, much which like we're seeing, much like the way that um, you know it's unfair to uh, uh, you know take uh, overnight Nielsen ratings of a particular program and say, well, these are your viewers. You know, how come your ratings are going down? Well, you've got to factor in. You know, the people that have that stored in the DVR, I think one of the more interesting uh, uh, Nielsen devices over the last uh, couple of years is the, uh, uh, the, the number they add to it, which is uh, the number of people who, uh, you know, watch it live, but also the number of people who uh, DVR it and watch it within seven days of its mm-hmm. original uh, airing. Um, you know, so they, they've just they've got to start taking into account. They've got to figure out a way to count the number of people who are watching this. You know, it's like the whole thing. You know, uh, you know, well, how it many people watch the Super Bowl? Point. You know, how many people watch the Super Bowl? Well, it's this many homes. Well, you need to factor in the fact that there's you know three million people in sports bars across America watching it too. You, you got to put that number in there, or it's not you know it's not a, an accurate representation. And that right. same thing you know needs to happen. I you know needs to happen with comic books. I mean, they well they used to do that for magazines. Okay. See, the way the way advertisers used to publishers would, would would pump up their numbers. Hey, one million people are reading Superman every month, okay. and, and the assumption would be that was it like four or five people read one single magazine in a household. Okay. So you were able to say with a with a book that was selling two hundred and fifty thousand copies that it had one million readers, presumptively. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's guesswork. Yeah. You know, but I, I mean, I. I the, the thing is, what's coming in comics um, is going to be that kind of that, that that difficult to anticipate kind of thing. I know that, like, you know, a book like Jonah Hex or Fables uh, doesn't sell that well outright, but the trade paperbacks are selling to the roof. You really? know, so it's a reason to keep the book in print monthly. Um, people just prefer to read a big chunk of it at one time rather than the twenty-two page monthly installment. Um, and like I said, this is this is this is all happening now. Price increases, um, the you know um, proliferation of uh, you know trade paperbacks, and uh, you know we're all kind of riding it and seeing what happens. Um, you, you know, you were, you were talking about advertising stuff. I worked in advertising for a little while, and they um, they had this joke about you know we have so many eyeballs watching this commercial but um you know they, they would always twice the number because people have two eyeballs <laughs> it was, it was kind of like a like a joke that they have you know we have you know four million people watching this commercial really means two million but we won't tell you that we won't <laughs> tell the client eyeball. that you know. um let's get back to let's get back to the fractals in in, in the comic book you said you uh, what were you going to say about that you're such a math nerd frank <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what a fractal is. I was happy that you thought it was something. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Frank Frank's a mathlete. He he doesn't like to let people know. My that. math. I was I was on the athletics team. I'm I'm outing him. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, uh, you know, the Speed Force is a place to go. Okay, we know that it's almost it's a heaven. It's a nirvana for speedsters. At the same time, it's a place. 
it is something that powers the, the speedsters. Um, I, I haven't seen it depicted convincingly yet, um, and and you know that means that it's my job. So the idea that running so fast that reality peels away into wheels um, that kind of uh, you know push you forward even faster until you are in another state of being um, appeal to me. So, I mean, literally, you know, when, when Flash is running, the world around him, I mean, he runs at such a speed when he's going to the speed force that, yeah, there are these, you know, whether it's it's the air or life, reality, whatever it is, it circles and becomes more wheels, the, the power more wheels, the power more wheels until he's in a whole other state of being and forgets who he even is and loses his... Uh, his his form, yes. I mean, loses his consciousness, forgets what he is, becomes part of um, this place, the Speed Force. That's why he tried so to remember it, Iris that whole time. That was his constant. Yeah, like if you can do that, if you can just, if you can, if you have something like that that you can hang on to, you can sort of maintain who you know who you are and maintain your consciousness, um, which is which is something that Jeff's playing with here, but. Um, no, it just it needed to be done. You know, it, it just uh, you know, it's it, it's a character. The Speed Force as a place is a character that's never really been shown before. It's always been kind of bright light or something. And yeah. you know, I think it's I think it's interesting to just see um, to depict it as movement and movement in its very simplest sort of depiction as a wheel. Um, and so lots and lots of wheels moving and turning each other like gears that that you know, become heaven. I, I don't know. I, I did not smoke any dope that day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, maybe that would have helped. Yeah, it, it would have had you to the same place. Wouldn't have made a difference. My perspective is all screwed up right now, but I understand why. I like the <laughs> sequence uh, <clears throat> that we were just talking about when when Barry's running and he's forgetting, you know, as he gets faster and faster, he forgets a little more. You see his life going by. Um, in each of the horizontal panels. I thought that was really cool, how you see his life literally flashing before his eyes. And then, yeah, where uh, was the camera? <laughs> yeah. the <laughs> oh, that, isn't that always that. funny? Yeah, in sitcoms and stuff, whenever they remember, it's like, wait, there's these angles that they're remembering it from, but it's from the angle of the camera. That's funny. Oh, it was, you know, the one time that I, you know, because that, you know, believe it or not, that occurred to me and bothered me while I did this, but I went, you know what, George Perez did it this way in Crisis, I'm, okay. I'm going to go along with it, except for the one most important, you know, turning point in Barry Allen's life when, when he was hit by the lightning and the chemicals, which he experienced in first person. So there's that panel where everything goes blank and there are chemicals and electricity around him spilling on him, Yeah, which... Uh, should be different, I think, than all yeah, the other panels. You just have to suspend so much disbelief to get through comics and TV shows these days. I did notice that that... <laughs> I mean, it's like the old Star Trek episodes where, you know, the, the Metrons will now show you Kirk's battle with the Gorn. <laughs> and so, of course, they're seeing, like, you know, there's camera cuts and close-ups. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like, um, is that really, you know, if I'm, if I'm seeing... Yeah, where was the, the film crew? Yeah, the sa- exactly, the Savage Curtain. They're battling uh, Colonel Green and, uh, you know, that, uh, that Klingon who looked like Genghis Khan. And, you know, and, uh, you know again, 
again, you know, the, you know, the, the, the scaly rock creature is, you know, graciously showing the people on the enterprise. And, and, you know, like I said, there's, there's like, you know, eight cameras and, you know, color correction. And, and the episode know. where Spock was explaining to, to the, to the jury or whatever, why he yes. stole the enterprise or whatever, the menagerie, because, because uh, Pike was in there in the beep boop in the That's wheelchair, right. you know? And then he says, "If you'll address, if you'll t- pay attention to the video feed, yeah. and then he cut, and it's like, <laughs> it's like produced, you know? It's yeah. like, wow, it was a three, yeah, they had a three camera shoot back then, and <laughs> uh, they had the best security ever. Those security tele- cameras ever. Those telepathic buttheads were uh, pretty, uh, pretty clever, weren't they? I think uh, <clears throat> we have said this before in one of our shows, but you weren't here with us when we said it. But probably one of the greatest lines ever in comics." uttered by a hero was in this issue oh yes three. oh yes uh yeah. c- can you guess what we're referring to oh yeah yeah where he uh he beats superman in the race <laughs> yeah I, I laughed at that when i read it in the script i thought that was that was prime jeff johns right there <laughs> yeah he says those were <laughs> i've raced you before barry i even won some of those races those are for charity, Clark. That's Boom! Yes. He just takes off. That, that I, man, Jeff Johns, and, way to go. Because oh, that was, that, I think Jeff anyone so who read that went, said out loud, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, they didn't stand up and pump their fist in the air at that moment. <laughs> uh, they didn't have a heartbeat, did they? That is one nerd geek question that yeah. died right there. Yeah. That question died I, because you know the answer. And now. I have always maintained that the Flash absolutely should, if he isn't, he absolutely should be faster than Superman. Because Superman is like a queen, you know. I mean, he's got you know, he's got every power on on the chessboard. You know, Flash has got one specific power. He should be better at that than the generalist. The specialist should be better than the generalist at what the specialist does. You know. Um, well, yeah, and and Superman, uh, you know, Superman's speed is powered by the sun. It isn't powered by the speed force anyway. Yeah. I mean, his speed it would be fractional uh, well, so, on the ground. Yeah. So when they're racing Any around one of the, the flashes. Yeah. And I'm surprised it's never been made so clear before. It should have been made clear. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, you know, you know, how exactly does Superman battle Spider-Man? You know, it's like, you know, how does, you know, Batman, you know, battle, you know, how does Batman take down Superman? You know, it's this is all going to be sleight of sleight of hand and smoke and mirrors and trickery and and stuff, you know. You, you can't take anything right. at face value. Cuz yeah, I used to read those, you know, the Superman Flash races, you know, back in the 70s, uh, you know, and and you know, you just you knew that there was going to be some kind of a cop out, and you know, maybe cop out is too strong of a word. I'm not, you know, trying to accuse the comic book companies of bilking us. Just kind of the way it, uh, just kind of the way it worked out. Hey, you know, speaking of uh, absolute geek out questions, I have one geek out question you probably can't answer, but I still want to ask this question anyway. How does Jay Garrick's hat stay on? I don't know. It drives me nuts. Staples. It, it would literally come off because oh, yeah. of the way it's shaped. Staples. Yeah, I mean, no it just, it's got to catch some wind, and I mean, it's just like, it's just apparently just sitting on top of his head. I mean, you know. More unless, trouble than it's worth. Yes. Take it off. That would be a worry, wouldn't it? You would have to, you'd always be worried about that hat coming off and killing someone behind you. Oh, yeah, man. A, a, a innocent bystander, you know, just, uh, just you know, has their head taken clean off by it. You know, I just, yeah. I, I always wondered about that. And what a drag, too, because I just, that is just one of my favorite costumes of all time. That, that little, that little helmet, you know, his helmet like thing kind of, it's usually kind of tilted off to the side a little bit. It's not, you know, it's not on there perfectly, you know, symmetrical. It's, you know, it's kind of, I, uh, I have seen him use it like a prison. A strap just to, to make yeah. big Thank you. Ah, that makes perfect sense. Oh, that would be great. 
Um, if we, you could get Jeff to find a way to, to make that happen and make it stick, you know, oh, we'd be forever in your debt. We asked you earlier <laughs> what your favorite page in uh, in issue number three is here, and then we never uh, gave you a chance to answer it. Uh, would you like to tell us which oh, one is your? I, I couldn't answer something like that. I mean, it's 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 not about it's not about pages. It's moments that I think work better than others, you know. But um, yeah, is that like asking someone who their favorite child is? Yeah, it's it, but it isn't even because it's 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 not like I finish a page and go, this page is a work of art. <laughs> that's never that's never happened. It, you know, not only because none of them are, it's because it. It's more about whether or not I succeeded in putting something across, and sometimes that'll happen in just one panel or uh, in a sequence that's spread over two or three pages rather than anything else. Yeah. But um, there, there was a good moment that went uncommented on in issue number one that really disappointed me because I thought it was great and nobody noticed it. Um, in issue number one, okay. flashback, panel, flashback sequence when Barry was a little child, and he is racing that fat kid. Right. And the fat kid's kicking his butt. Yeah. And then, you know, suddenly we notice that there's, you know, uh, the police are in front of young Barry's house, and Barry zips away from the kid. Suddenly he's able to find his legs, and he runs as fast as he can. And like a runner at the finish line, he breaks the police tape as he runs across <laughs> it and finishes. Yeah, he should And have. that cracked me up, and it cracked Jeff up. It was just something that I... You know that I just came up with while I was doing it. That is pretty and funny. It was so morbid, you know, um, <laughs> and nobody caught it. So I'm thinking about stealing the gag and using it for uh, a cover with Flash. I mean, it's like it, it's too cool to to have gone unnoticed. Maybe maybe that's the cover to Flash number one or something like that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I I, I think it's probably the context that it's happening in because he is. You know, he is going to to find his his dead mother, and and it's it's you know, I, I think maybe it just got and lost in the moment. Break, break, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's it it isn't. It's morbid. It's mm. wrong, but yeah. I don't know. I have two bark questions. Things make you laugh when you're working on uh, on a sequence. You come up with a little gag that you know you know only a few people are going to catch, and it's funny. I tell you what, the Flash needs. He needs uh, um, Superman's got uh, Mister Mixelpitalik, and Batman's got Batmite. Flash needs some fifth dimensional imp to uh, to come uh, make life hard for him. He has an abracadabra. Does he? Mm. Does kinda he really? Impy. He's kind of impy. That was more kind of a Teen Titans thing. Mm. Sorry, I, I got Brad off track. No, that's okay. I just had I had two bark questions. <laughs> was that funny? <laughs> it's going to be. Um, Spit it out, man. Um, I think I, you accidentally insulted your man, or maybe you meant to. <laughs> Nah, so we we love each other. We we don't mind. Um, okay, we're uh, we're numb to it. We all realize that <laughs> Legion of Three Worlds issue number five has not come out yet. Okay. Oh no. Yeah, in theory, that's what I if hear. that had come out by the time you know Flash Rebirth started, would we? I guess what I'm getting at is, are we supposed to know the the backstory of how Bart came back? Is that going to be answered in? Legion of Three Worlds, or are we going to see that in this rebirth? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. Is, is, we, we don't know how he came back? As, as, as of right now, we don't, because well, the, in the last issue of, of Legion of Three Worlds, he just appears on that last page. So he just kind of shows up, and we haven't gotten that. We haven't gotten a review. Oh, that's yet. right. The Lightning Saga brought Wally West back. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. And okay. Legion of Three Worlds brought Bart back. Somehow. 
and we haven't because that miniseries has not concluded we we don't know the full story of how bart returned well we think that bart may be in the lightning rod that brainiac's got maybe i don't don't know it's all conjecture at this point okay yeah i just didn't know if if um ethan knew the backstory i guess jeff hasn't filled you in yet i i just don't ask okay how can you not ask a question like that i mean Um, that's that's like keeps me awake at night (laughs) (laughs) and that's not easy yeah, I be, I'm just so happy that he's back. You know, I I, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the the truth is, and and it's it's nothing that I'm particularly proud of, but it is the truth. I don't read a lot of comics anymore, and the reason for that is because um, I just I I noticed it myself when I was a young and up and coming uh, comic book artist that um, I would read certain artists and they were so taken in by what everyone else was doing, what other artists were doing, that their own style would change from page to page. So you could be like, oh, look, this guy was reading Carlos Pacheco comics this week, I suppose, and then the next week he was reading oh, Dave Fincher, Mark Silvestri. And, uh, you know, and uh, listen, it's, it's bound to happen where, um, you know, you, you see so much other good art that you end up sort of copying it. Okay. Um, even subconsciously, it just goes in your head. And that's a nifty way of doing it. I think I'll change my approach. And before too long, uh, you you kind of lose your artistic identity. I, so, I totally um, understand that. Uh, that's yeah. I just I, I think it's better. I mean, now and then I'll, I'll look at what my friends are doing. Like you know, I like Rags and I like um, Don Kramer and a lot of my buddies at DC, Dave Finch and Steve McKimmon at Marvel, um, and I'll, I'll see what they're doing. But you don't. You just don't want to. You want to remain as pure as you possibly can because you're not. Your job is not to be a fan anymore. You know, your job is to is to produce the comics that, um, uh, you know, that make other people happy. It's not to uh, to entertain yourself. So. And, and I guess the editor will be the one to tell you that no, that character can't be there because, you know, you may want to put a character in a scene, but he goes, no, he can't because he's in another book. That's the. That's those are the exact reasons why I don't listen to any other comic book related podcasts other than you don't want to suddenly be influenced by word balloon. Yeah, I don't want <laughs> to I don't, I don't I mean I listen to Comic Geek Speak. They're the one that brought the three of us together, you know, to do what we're doing now, but um it's not that I don't want to listen to uh other comic book podcasts, but I don't want to un- subconsciously unconsciously unintentionally do or say something that I heard on another show. Well, that's actually, I don't know if you're kidding or not, but I'm I mean, not, that's a I'm valid not, concern. I am not kidding at all. Yeah. He, he's actually not. I, I, can, I can tell after all these years. <laughs> I literally, I've got friends that do podcasts, and um, there are people that I'd love to listen to, but I don't, I, and, and I suppose I'm stretching the, the definition of professional courtesy when I say at, don't listen to them out of professional courtesy. I don't want to uh, ape them, or I don't, okay. you know what I mean. I mean, as it is now, we have the, I have this deal. I have uh, this whole sound effects board when we're doing our show, and I play like computer words every once in a while. Like somebody will say something. Like a, a while ago, you said um, you said the word sweet, and I don't know if you heard it, but I did this sweet. You know, I played a little word. I totally stole that from a radio morning show. Well, that's as far as I'm going to go. I'm not going to. I don't want to take anything from anybody else. So. That voice sounded exactly like you, though, so I wouldn't have noticed that it was a sound effect. It could have just sweet. been you saying sweet. 
Hmm. Let me give <laughs> Is that your voice? No, sir, it's not. It's uh, it's from the Merriam-Webster.com website. Yes. <laughs> Do it again. Let me hear it. Okay, here we go. Sweet. Doesn't it sound just like him? You know, I played again, Brad. <laughs> Here's some more. All right. Ginormous. <laughs> Ginormous. <laughs> yes, sir. Ginormous. Oh, has that word officially made into the dictionary? Yes. No. No, it has. Well, it, it's not. It's they don't have a. Pr- they don't have a pronunciation for it on Webster dot com. I okay. took two words, enormous and gigantic, and I edited them together to make you ginormous animal. Listen, ginormous. Wow. So, but anyway, I've, the whole point of me even saying what I'm saying is that I understand what you're saying about not reading books because you don't want to take ideas that subconsciously you think, hey, those that's a great idea. I'm a, I just came up with that when in fact you really didn't. Well, uh, right. ex- exploring that idea, wh- how, what do you use for inspiration then, Ethan? I mean, do you do you look at art books? Do you read older comic books? Do you just go for a walk and, and see what nature holds? I mean, what inspires you? Do you have a muse, something like that? Um, no, I don't think it's I don't I don't think in those terms, and I'm not sure that any of that's necessary. I, I have the material. Um, that I need to, to 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 know what Jeff's talking about in the scripts. Like every now and then he'll say, "See this issue of Flash," and either I will go buy that issue of Flash, or mm. even better, they'll send it to me at DC um, as a file, and I'll just open it up. Um, I don't know where it comes from. It just it just happens. It's, you know. Well, uh, l- let's talk a little bit about Jeff's scripts. What are they? What are they like? We've all seen those out al- the Alan Moore scripts, which break down just every inch of a panel. What are Jeff's scripts like? Um, well, they're the best scripts that I've worked from. Uh, you know, not only uh, practically, um, or not only you know artistically, but just practically in the sense that uh, he doesn't ask. He he he's never too vague. And he's never too specific. He doesn't give you instructions that feel confining. Um, he gives you just enough information so that you know you know what he needs. I mean, because that's 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 what your job is as a comic book artist is to kind of serve the needs of the writer um, in telling the story that that he wants to tell. So uh, it's important to understand what the point is of every panel. Like if he calls for um, a close-up or of, of uh, you know a character expressing a certain emotion it helps to know you know why the character is conveying that emotion that may seem different than the way you might have done it um, instinctively uh, and he has that information in his scripts and if not he's available um, by telephone um, but they're I mean they're simple they're brief they're not pretentious you know, I, I, I've read some scripts from, from writers where it seems like they spend so long writing beautiful prose in their panel descriptions, and uh, I, I don't know who they're doing it for. They must only be doing it for either the artist's sake or the editor because nobody else ever sees it. Well, So it, it, it's okay to just sort of remain functional, you know. Uh, maybe that's the only way they know how to well, get out off. what... Are they? But I mean, I'm not saying yeah. you're right or wrong, but maybe that's the only way they know how to tell the artist this is what I need this page to look like. Well, Frank quietly says that uh, Morrison, uh, Grant Morrison, a, a former artist, uh, gives him uh, thumbnails to work off of, basically. 
I mean, he kind of gives them little stick figures, and you know, this is kind of what I want it to look like. And then quietly has the uh, has the authority to you know make changes, improvements. You know, no pun whatever. intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, um, uh huh. Well, well, Grant, I I know for a fact because I work with Grant um, not too long ago, and and Grant's method of working is that he does he tends to draw out and thumbnail his stories as he's writing, and that's just his way of of writing. You know, it's not like he writes the script first and then thumbnails the whole thing. It's like he, he sees the comic book as he's doing it, and he sort of did. Grant's a, a really good artist, so he'll sort of say, this is how, this is the best way to sort of tell this story that I've got in my head. Huh. But at the same time, I, I never received any thumbnails from him yeah. um, on New X-Men. Uh, then again, I didn't live in his town like Frank does. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's... You know, it, it may be difficult for some writers to to sit down at the computer cold and then sort of type out a story. Everybody's got their way of sort of getting comfortable with the material and letting it happen and unspool in their head. Um, I don't think Jeff does any thumbnails whatsoever. Okay. Um, uh, you know, let's see here. Um, I'm looking at uh, Jeff's script. And, uh, I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> trying to trying to find a good example that's non-spoilerish of uh, the way he writes. I mean, it is you know, it's very simple. Um, spoiler, spoiler. It's all spoiler. Okay, <laughs> I can tell you. Um. <laughs> Well, how okay, about the fla- okay. flash vibrates out of the coffin and uh, explodes Superman's head? <laughs> then the world blows up. <laughs> yeah, all right, here we go. Panel two, page 18. Back to Barry. Barry keeps running, crackling with golden energy that eats away at the red wall. His hand is outstretched. He can see the yellow light pouring through the tear. Dang. And then his, uh, then his dialogue. And that's it. It's nothing. It's not like shoot it from this angle, you know, um, okay. from above. You know, make this part of a you know six panel grid or otherwise. It's he 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 describes the action and then backs off. Okay, that's, that's really cool. That that must be a great beautiful a great way to work with a writer. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, you know, someone like Morrison who actually does thumbnails. You know, does an artist, you know, not necessarily you know, resent is way too strong a word, but does an artist say, uh, dude, let me worry about that. You tell the story. Yeah, I well, I would, okay. except in the case of Grant Morrison, where if you've read his scripts, they're oftentimes written in a, a kind of dreamy, subconscious kind of way that um, I, I always, I mean, I, I've only, I've drawn four Grant Morrison stories, and so I, I remember having tremendous difficulty with the scripts because oftentimes he described things in a way that wasn't clear. Um, really? Imagine and, that. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, New, New X-Men number 134, which was the last book that I drew or started to draw before I was fired from Marvel Comics. Oh, oh I never knew that. Was uh, was interesting. I, I drew seven pages of it, and um, then it was it was redrawn by another artist, which to me was, was wonderful in a way because I was able to see how this artist interpreted the gobbledygook that I was trying to interpret <laughs> oh um, man first, no no it's because it, it, it's written like this like grant sees it in his head like he dreamt it and it literally is on the page as he dreamt it but important details are missing for example that grant would say you know you know page one students 
are in a circle hovering the earth above them with psychic energies. And then suddenly, um, Beak walks by and the earth falls and breaks. Wow. Can you picture that? Okay. I can picture it, but it doesn't make, doesn't make sense. <laughs> or, right. or it's very it drastic. Sense? Yeah. Well, the earth falls apart. It's, but they were on the what? earth. It's, it's very large and vague. This is, this is literally like something that I, was, like, that I, I had to do. And decisions that have to be made, and yet you can't call Grant and say, Grant, what do you mean? Like, are the students, where are the students standing right now? I mean, question number one, location. Where is this happening? Is it happening inside the school, or is it happening out in the schoolyard? Okay, question number one. Question number two, the earth. What is it made of? What is it? Why are they doing it? How big is it? You know what I mean? Like these are all questions that are not explained within Grant's style of writing. This is fascinating. Um, keep going. Yes. Yeah, so, so I did it my way, okay, and then I was able to see Kieran Grant interpret it in his way, and they were completely different. Well, can and I ask you a dumb question? It, it would have been a third way. Can I ask so, you a dumb? I mean, interesting. Yeah, it's like, but if you read it, if you read a Grant Morrison story, it is, it's like, it all happens in your head, and it happens beautifully and perfectly, and you feel what he's feeling, and, you know, his, one of his scripts was the only one that almost actually made me cry, like it made me upset where I had to sit down for a little while, um, and that was New X-Men number 117, the sequence where um, Beak, uh, you know, was, was, psychically forced to, to beat his, um, Hank McCoy with his own baseball bat nearly to death. And when I read that, the way Grant described it in the story, it seemed so cruel. And, like the most cruel thing I've ever read in a comic book. It, it seemed to, to be better than what comic books um, thus far were able to, to sort of put across in terms of emotion. It made me very, very sad and angry. Wow. Um, and, and that's, that's where he excels. Um, but then, it, you know, a lot of these decisions have to come from your own imagination because they're not necessarily spelled out in Grant scripts. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah but I'm going to ask a dumb question. Why can't you call him and say, what does this even mean, Grant? Well, at the time, Grant was not taking phone calls from any of us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that is crazy. That's, that's an answer. <laughs> Well, you would have to email his girlfriend, and his girlfriend may or may not, you know, convey that the message of the email to Grant Morrison, oh and gosh. then she may write back secondhand what Grant wrote. But you know, when you need the information that very day because you're working on the page, it was not practical. So you can't exactly uh, IM him then, huh? No, <laughs> dear Grant, how are you? I am fine. Can you please tell me? <laughs> yeah, what do you about mean, the do you Earth? Mean by this? <laughs> yeah, what is Earth? <laughs> <laughs> that must have been an experience then. I mean, when you, was what was it like when you were talking to him just one on one? I mean, I never did. I, I really, I never talked to Grant one on one until much, much, much later. You know, it wasn't. You know, there were there were a lot of difficulties with the with the X Men situation. There, it wasn't it wasn't fun for anyone involved. And you'll notice that almost everyone who worked on New X Men. Uh, 
did almost immediately thereafter become exclusive to DC Comics. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. So and when, so, forget, yeah, I mean, forgive. I guess what, yeah, yourself, Morrison, Quietly, uh, jeez. Uh, I think uh, uh, Phil Jimenez was, but he went back. Okay. So, um, so I guess, I guess when, uh, when uh, it was Igor announced. Igor Corday is gone. He's not even in comics anymore. Who's that? Um, Igor Corday, who oh, was the wow. third fill-in guy. Jeez. Um, remember him. He, I don't know what he's doing now, but he's, I haven't seen him in mainstream comics in forever, and he was very important in New X-Men. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it just it took its toll. I don't know why. I don't know why it was it was so bad. But it just it was a it was a bad. Do you? Time. Uh, I, I, I preface this by saying I love Grant Morrison's writing. I love the fact that it's it's inscrutable and hard to, to you know get your head around. Yeah. But do you think uh, working with Grant Morrison may have had something to do with that? No, and, and no, not at all. Grant Grant was the least of it. I mean, okay. Yeah, I, you know, Grant just asked for his privacy. I mean, that, it, it never seemed unfair to me. I would have, I would have preferred to have the advantage of speaking with him the way I did with, with Jeff Johns on Flash Iron Heights, which I had just done okay. before that. Um, but the rules are, were kind of laid down. Grant doesn't, you know, want telephone calls, and, and emailing him is real hard. And this, by the way, the rules were laid down not by Grant but by the editor. Really um, interesting. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it, it, it definitely wasn't Grant's fault. And if anything, you know, getting Grant's scripts, were, it was, it was like a gift from God all the time. I mean, it was, you know, despite the fact that sometimes, you know, they were vague in areas that, that required us to improvise, um, they were always really, really good. <laughs> and the editors were always very excited about having read them and, and passing them along to you. And in fact, um, they would even send me the ones that I wasn't going to draw, just to read. Wow! I'm sure a lot, a lot of people received them just to read. Wow. They were good. Now, do you think that uh, uh, that was uh, Grant just not realizing that his artists would have a hard time with the interpretation, or do you think it was Grant, uh, you know, showing that measure of trust, or or saying, you know, here's a rough idea. Now let me see what you, the artist, do with it. Fly be free, that kind of thing. A combination of both, okay. but I don't think Grant had too much trust in, in some of us anyway, and okay. myself included. Um, but I think in general, um, you know, Grant's Grant's idea is this is this is where wherever it comes from, this is how it was given to me, and now I give it to you. Okay. Make of it what you will. Um, and uh, we tried to keep up. I mean, I was too young. I you know the the thing is, I would love to have some of those scripts now. I think I'd be able to sort of, well, not only now, you know, because I, I can talk to Grant Morrison if I want to, but also because, uh, you know, boy, I'd really love another crack at some of them now that I've matured a little bit. I have to well, go back and work with Grant on something. What about your, your what about relationships with editors? Like right now, your your relationship with uh, with with uh, the editor on Flash. What what type of feedback do you, do you usually get from them? I mean, do you usually hand them over? Uh, a rough, um, a rough drawing of it, and then they approve it or don't approve it. How's that work? Um, uh, I don't know. My 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 current relationship with the editor of Flash Rebirth is good. We're we're good mm -hmm. friends, and we talk about all kinds of different stuff other than uh, you know the actual work at hand. Uh, I I I don't want to give anybody any more sketches. 
um, for the covers that I'm doing or anything else. Okay. I, I don't like it. It's another, it's another way of confining you into one idea. Um, you know, the, the general rule of thumb is to do a cover, you're asked to turn three or four thumbnail sketches in of different ideas. And from those, the editor gets to cherry-pick the one that he or she likes the best, and then you have to, whether you like it or not, you're stuck with that one. And inevitably, it's the one that you just threw on there to fill out the quota of three or four sketches. And that <laughs> happens all the time. You do three or four sketches, and you, you do two of them that you think are really good, and then you add a third one that you're like, oh, I, I, they're not going to choose this one anyway. Yeah, we used to do that one. all the time with, with like, <laughs> ideas. We'd like... We can come up with two. Just come up with the crazy one because he's not going to pick that one. And then, just like you said, that's that the one always the one, happens. The one that you don't want to do. That mm. That is life. <clears throat> um, and so, I prefer to to just sort of uh, um, say no and, okay. and just turn in whatever I do. And if you ask, if you say, you know, well, what's it going to be? I may tell you, but I'm not even sure myself yet. You know, it, it just... It's luck. I'm not. I'm not so great of an artist that I can sit there and, you know, like like uh, Minnesota flat or fats, sit there and say, look, this ball's going to go in that pocket, and this one's going to go in that one, and this one in that one. That's that's not how I draw. I'm lucky to sit down and have anything come out. Wow. You know what I mean? It, it's never like, well, this is the, this is what I'm going to do. If if I'm in the right frame of mind, something good will happen if I just sit down and concentrate and try to produce a cool-looking cover. But I've always had difficulty, uh, especially if you ask editors. If you say nine out of ten times, if you say, well, what should this cover be? They will say, well, in it, Flash fights um, Captain Cold. So draw a Captain Cold versus Flash cover. And there's okay. nothing more boring than one of those covers. Okay. You don't you don't think so, but there's nothing that sells fewer comics, except for one thing. The other thing that will sell fewer comics than a blank versus blank cover is a cover with a um, villain standing victoriously over all the heroes, broken <laughs> in a heap of rocks. Okay, <laughs> which is now the like the ultimate cliche. How how sad are our heroes? that they're getting their rear ends handed to them on every single cover of their book, that they're all in a pile on broken rocks oh, lately, no. unconscious, knocked out. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, surely <laughs> the fans at some point go, why are we reading about these people anyway? You know, it's like Mongol <laughs> just kicked 11 of their asses at once. Yeah. Um, I, I guess as, so, a, as a seasoned reader, it's usually you see that and you kind of know, well, that's not really the case or it's going to be reversed right, or so something. Why bother? Yeah, I, uh, it's uh, you know, in my opinion, I, I almost feel like like the cover doesn't need to. It just needs to have the title and and I don't know. So I don't. I'm not a collector, so sometimes I don't feel that that the cover needs to be that spectacular. What I, Frank wants to see is a white page <laughs> with black block letters that says "comic" on it. <laughs> yes. Maybe a UPC code. The number. Yes. The issue number. Yes. Like the Secret Invasion comic comics. <laughs> No, you know, I, I like Brian Boland because Brian Boland does the covers what the artists used to do in the Silver Age, which is your cover needs to have a gag. And if it's not a funny gag, it needs to ask a very strange question. 
that can only be answered by the story inside. So the best covers are the ones that um, pose a question or or say something outrageous uh, to to the reader. Now, some of my favorite covers that I've done are the ones that that are, are like that. There was one for Flash Fastest Man Alive that had all of the rogues pulling apart like it was a sh- it was shot from a- from below worm's eye view of all the rogues standing above we presume the body of the flash and they're breaking his mask apart like a wishbone and Uh-oh. that's an outrageous image you know outrageous um, yeah it, you, you look at it and you go geez what the f-? i mean <laughs> it, it it's better it's a better gag than just having the flash in a heap at your feet seeing that and then seeing the rogue standing above him it, it's it's not funny or clever or, or you know, it, it just doesn't inspire anything other than boredom. Do, do, do you miss the dialogue bubbles on comic books? You know, Oh, I would have those back in a minute. <laughs> I, I don't know what the problem is with, with that idea. I, I think those are, are great um, if you need them. Yeah. You know? It's just uh, cyclical. If, if, they make, if they bring the gag home, f- like, further, you know, if they, if they make the joke funnier or, or whatever, then, yeah. I like the and by funnier, I, I I usually mean gallows humor. Yes, uh, more than anything else, not waka waka waka, but something that's like oh, <laughs> funny, but good game, you know, good good idea. Um, so that to me, that's what all covers should be. They should they should pose that kind of a question or a mystery that that forces you to buy the comic. Well, there's a grand tradition of that with the Flash too, because man, so many of those Flash covers, you know, from especially the '60s uh, and mm-hmm. into the '70s, were just like. You know what the heck is going on here? You know the Flash oh, has yeah. got the giant head, and you're trying to figure out, or or better yet, you know how many times does does the Flash or Green Lantern or somebody look straight into the camera lens, you know, and ask a question? You know, it's like how am I going to save the Flash this ep- you know this issue? Or they or the heroes looking off panel and they go, "You, yes, <laughs> it's you." <laughs> Who could it possibly the be? Equivalent of that, I don't think you can get away with that today. But but things like that, you know. Um, the the just sort of uh, um, another flash cover for for one during Jeff's run where it's like the secret of Barry Allen and and you see Wally West looking at pages with a look on his face of utter shock and we can't see what he's what he's reading but what we do see is the ghostly <laughs> image of Barry Allen behind him popping his ring and the costume is coming around Wally's shoulder and shh doing that with its finger sweet a secret there's a secret that you can find out if you buy the comic book. And whatever it is, it's making Wally's face go, what the f***? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a comic book that you have to buy just based on the cover. Um, things like that. And you're right. And when you say to me, you know, and, and editors will say, well, this is Flash versus Captain Cold. You know, it's like I'm not, I can't just draw Flash fighting Captain Cold. There has to be something extra about the cover. That you know makes it makes it more interesting than just that, or else it'll just sit on the stance. Nobody will pick it up. I think next time you have to do a hero versus villain cover, instead of them fighting each other, they're playing a game of rock'em sock'em robots. <laughs> you got Flash on one side with the red robot, and you got Captain Cold on the other side with the blue robot, and they're duking it out that way. That I'd buy that book in a heartbeat. Or or what about the hero just eating a sandwich and it's like nothing happens in this you know Flash has a nosh that's all that happens in this you know, <laughs> I'd buy that. That happened in a Fantastic Four issue I just read. 
Yeah, but you um, could do that. You could have Flash sitting around the table, and we're we're looking over, you know, Barry's shoulders, and the other rogues are at the other end of the table looking at their hands, and they <laughs> have big grins on their faces, and we're looking at what Barry's got, and it's a losing hand. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's the same kind of principle that you know you're, you know, kind of glibly describing, but it, it does say something, and it's it's kind of a gag, and it's scary. And uh, you know, the, yeah, it might it might inspire you to sort of pick up the book. I just the classic. Uh, okay, Flash issue one fifty six. Uh, the Flash wanted for treason. There's a poster up with uh, with Barry Barry Allen alias the Flash, Earth enemy number one, and Iris is saying, "Oh Barry, how could you?" And Kid Flash yeah. is is banging on the poster, going, "Flash, why did you do it? Why? Why?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, just that's, like, that's a cool thing. You know, that's a cool idea. Oh yeah, I mean the the next issue is uh, as the the uh, he he's uh, hanging with the uh, uh, the top and uh, he's chasing after the top. The top says, "I'm not going to tangle with you, Flashline. Good and ready." And then the, it's a three it's a three panel cover, and the second uh, panel is uh, the Flash recoiling, and you see the word "blam." And the third panel is the top going, "Now I'm ready," and you uh, uh, you see the top shaking fist to the foreground. The Flash, the background, is old and has a Methuselah beard, and something horrible has happened to him. This is a rogues gallery thriller featuring the top. The day Flash aged 100 years. <laughs> and he's no wow. longer the fastest man alive. He is now the oldest man alive. The, the oldest man alive. <laughs> so, yeah, the Flash has, has had a long tradition uh, of those kind of uh, um, uh, real, I don't know, kitschy, whatever, find a better word, but uh, kind of kitschy uh, covers that, that do kind of suck in. So. Mm. Congratulations for continuing that proud tradition. Uh, why, why, why was uh, Flash Rebirth changed from five to six issues? Uh, who, whose idea was that? Was it Jeff's? No, it was always going to be six issues, and we we had some. Oh, it's probably my fault. And uh, you know, uh, all right, look, it was going to be six issues when we sat down and planned it. Um, Jeff had planned for six issues, and DC looked at it and said, "Well." Uh, maybe we better just give you five. And listen, if you guys can do really well, and and you know, you know, the book does well, we'll consider giving you the six. Okay. And that's, uh, that's around the time issue three was finished, um, they said, "Oh, well, okay, we'll give you the six. And huh. so that's what they did. But it, it didn't. It didn't really matter because we were always going to do six issues anyway. I remember it being solicited <laughs> in previews as the first issue as being one of five. Yeah, I know. It was DC editorial. Mm. It's uh, it's unjustifiable. It's unexplainable. It's a reason why previews shouldn't exist. But uh, you know, because I I can't I can't explain it to you without you know any further without going really far behind the scenes of what goes on at DC Comics, and it's frankly nobody's business uh, except for ours um, and and theirs. So uh, really, the the situation is. Um, very simply that, yeah, they said, we said, oh, it's going to be six issues. And they said, no, it'll be five unless you wow us. And we said, okay. And then we planned on six anyway. And then they were impressed and said, okay, you can have the six issue. You know, I, I would think, I, I would think that, 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 especially someone like Jeff, who has such a wonderful track record could just warrant that, that kind of request. Yeah, that is surprising. But um, but no, well, I guess he can. I think I, honestly, that's why I said I think it's my fault. I think they looked at me and said, "Can he even do six issues oh, in okay. a decade?" Okay, so what they thought uh, you were going to squeeze five issues into uh, the the time allotted for six issues, then something. Uh, yeah, like or, or or they just wanted <laughs> to have it finished. I mean, okay. you, you have to remember, it's like recently, you know, there have been some situations where 
um, some books have gone on and on and on, yeah. and it's been a nightmare for well, for editorial and for the fans. And I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm not that artist. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, you can you can look at my track record and see that you know, look, yeah, Greenland and Rebirth. When I've got six issues in a row uh, that I've got to produce, there's going to be a six week gap spread out over those six issues. And there was, I mean, more or less, Greenland and Rebirth number one shipped October of 2004, I think, and finished up June of 2005. Okay, so okay. I mean, there was there was somewhere between six and eight weeks, all told, separated, um, in between those six issues, and it's you know it, it but it, you know the fans don't remember that now. Um, at the end of the day, Greenland and Rebirth has has gone on to be kind of, you know, a fond memory for fans and for DC Comics. So I, I suppose it's incumbent on me to to pick up the pace as much as I can and to not have that kind of a lag time. Um, but even if there is, it's not going to be months and months and months. It'll be a week or two, like I just said, um, and I'll get the I'll get the thing wrapped up and 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 finished. Um, uh, before school starts, <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be my plan. Nice. So, what classes are you taking this semester? <laughs> <laughs> if only I had time. Uh, gonna uh, hang it up the I quad, play frisbee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your hacky sack. But yeah, I've, you know, that, that would be uh, that would be a good thing to have this all wrapped up by the end of the summer. You know, and and, cool. and moved on to the next thing. Yeah. So. So what do you, uh, do you do you think the tea leaves point to uh you and Jeff continuing um um on the flash is that uh I don't read previews uh so I don't know if that's uh, a completely done deal or not No it isn't it isn't there is no deal in place right now okay. really it's all we're all talking about it and trying to figure out and then you know DC's DC's cool and they've offered me a situation that, you know I could choose between two or three different projects after this or make up my own Wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'd like to. Let's put it that way. I, I would like to. But to me, and, I, you know, it's like we, we started this conversation. It's now a question of how, how much do I really want to be a monthly artist, um, you know, and not be able to, uh, um, to have all the time in the world that I want to draw my stories. Or would I prefer... To go quicker and tell more stories, um, and is there a middle ground somewhere? I, yeah. You know, this is this is what is being discussed in the recesses of my own brain right now. Well, to kind of dovetail back to what we started talking about um, um, a while back, uh, um, do you think that there's a way you become a uh, a quicker artist? Um, you know, do you, is there a, a plan you're working for that? I mean, do, is there just, you know is the idea you know, do you literally quicken your pace? Do you learn how to cut corners without it appearing that you're cutting corners? I mean, is there is there any yeah. way that you know of that you turn yourself into someone who can churn out a book in three and a half weeks instead of five or six? Um, in most cases, it's about knowing where to cut corners. Okay. It's about time management. Um, and it's also about luck because, it, you know, I talk to other artists too, and the, the dirty little secret is none of this is easy. It's not. We're not machines, and and so, you know, uh, very, very rarely do I sit down and draw exactly what I'd pictured. 
when oh. I read a panel. Okay. I get lucky and something happens. And, and, you know, the other artists that I talk to are the same way. They're like, Ethan, is it agony for you, too? Because it doesn't look like it's agony for you. And it's like, no, it's agony for me, too. I'm a fraud, aren't you? Aww. Oh, my God, I know what you mean. <laughs> and we say things like this to each other all the time. We all feel like we're, everyone else knows what they're doing except for us. Um, and it's, it's this insecurity that I think most artists have, or they should have, or else they're not real artists. Um, you know, Ethan, I just started a new job, and um, they've been giving me assignments and stuff, and there are times where it's just like, I can't do this. I cannot. And I've been doing what I've been doing for years, but it's just, oh, yeah. I, I, I get that anxiety, and it's just like, what if I can't do it? What if I fail? What if? I, and, and, you know, so far, so good, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, it is. It, it, it's, it, it, it's the same thing with sausages. You know, it's better to just eat them and not know what went into making them. Right. And, you know, comics are that way because they're uh, they're agony for the people who produce them. They're, it is, you know, or they should be. Again, if they aren't, you recognize that they aren't when you read them, and they're the ones you throw over your shoulder and you're done with them. Yeah. Um, but the ones that really mean something to you and stick with you cause the artist and the writer a lot of pain. And, um, you know, uh, the, the readers certainly deserve that, um, that level of commitment. So... What does it take to be a monthly artist? Well, it takes cutting corners. Um, it takes um, turning your art into something slightly more formulaic than it's ever been before. Because I think the, the interesting thing about my work is that it is interesting. It's, never, it's, it's not consistent. It's not the same thing every time. There's always, you, you, you don't see... Too, I mean, there, there have been times where you know, I've accidentally sort of repeated an image, but... That's not a consistent thing with me where, you know, you always see the same thing over and over again. There's always something different that I tried. Um, you know, so you have to say goodbye to a little bit of that. Um, and you have to get lucky. Because hmm. sometimes you sit down and you try to draw something and you just don't, nothing good comes out. Hmm. And you have to erase it and start over and that takes a long time. So uh, oftentimes... Um, being quick means being lucky and getting it right the first time. Wow. Well, hey, uh, at the risk of, of sounding mushy, um, this song right here, I hope you can hear it, describes the way I feel about your art. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to, to do anything different. Oh, uh, Because I love you just the way you are. Oh, but nice. I'll let Billy Joel say it. You know, don't, don't don't let Billy Joel say it. No, no, no. hey, <laughs> don't go changing to try and please me. Uh, you know. Uh, here we go. What are we gonna like sing along here? You'll take, you'll take no, the okay, bad thank times Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, if Nobody's there's machine. if there's if there's any bad times, it's just that you know it is six weeks instead of four, but. I'm good with six weeks instead of four. Yeah, to get the kind of work you put out. Yeah, we uh, we had this discussion uh, after uh, Final Crisis. Uh, you know, there there are many people on either side of the fence. It's like I don't care what you have to do, get it out on schedule. I don't care if you have eight artists, you know, doing each issue. And there was the other camp, which was like, you know what, take your time, just get it done right, because the whole idea that you know this this piece of arted literature is going to survive you know hopefully you know forever and ever and ever 
and you know in 10 years when someone's reading that graphic novel or read looking at their floppies or whatever they're not going to remember that that issue was you know a couple weeks late they're going to wonder why you know issue issue five looked like you know crud compared to the first four issues you know because it was obviously rushed you know so i mean i just i it took me a while you know i I was a little bit torqued about, you know, the uh, the ongoing delays in, in, in the final crisis. But then it occurred to me, you know, that, no, you know, this is something that's supposed to stand, you know, forever. You know, and you wouldn't want someone, you know, coming into, you know, you know, Brad wouldn't want someone telling him, you know, you have to, you know, you've got five more minutes to edit this piece. Well, I need like two hours. No, you got five minutes. Go. You know, New editor. No. Yeah, Brad would rather, yeah, Brad would rather probably have, you know, more time than he's got to finish up, you know. And, and I'm, I'm, hopefully everybody's like that. Um, well, I, you know, it, it, well, we're learning, and this is all part of what we were talking about earlier and the revolution in comics and yeah. how things are changing and how we're adapting to that. Because well, I, I think, yeah, it is, it is kind of a shame that Final Crisis, being such a great book, um, is inconsistent between artists. I mean, that it doesn't matter anymore. Now that it's over with, all we're left with is the finished product, which... Yep is a hardcover trade paperback somewhere well, I, and uh only the questions remain the the temporary um crisis that you know crisis may have induced um doesn't matter anymore you, you know it, so, it, 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 it there is a lot of art that goes involved but but uh, you, you got to remember there's a business end to it and there's promises made and there's yep. there's ship dates that have to be delivered and and ideally you want it to go out, yeah you, you want it to go out you you want it to go out when it's ready Oh, of course but, I do. But you, but you, it's got to go out, or people aren't going to get paid. People aren't going to make money. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's the, that's that's just how it works, and and you can only wait so long. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's true. Um, I well, there's there's yeah, there's that. I mean, there's there's uh, are, you know, are we waiting because the art is taking extra long to, to actually be produced, or because the uh, artist has fled to uh, the Bahamas? Well, and and isn't working any longer, in which also, case it's time to replace him. You've got forums these days where, where fanboy, and I, I use that term mildly derisively, um, where fanboy can complain and, and make their, uh, their, their wishes you know, known to you know, everybody. They'll post on you know, you know, how many forums are there out there. You know, they, they might, you know, heck, they can send an email to Dan DiDio and say, you know, this artist is killing me. You know? and, um, and you know who yeah, that you, is, Bill? That's huh. the vocal minority. Yeah, and that that's the it's way the it has minority. always been. No, yeah, the majority. It's, well, it's the you know. So my question is: Does Dan DiDio take that stuff with a grain of salt? Uh, do you, uh, Ethan? Um, do you pay attention at all to what uh, fanboy says? Do you actively try to stay away from you know those forums where you see their feedback? You know, for better or for worse. I mean, uh, um, how do you, how do you deal with the uh, the, the fanboy phenomenon these days? I listen to them. Okay, that's cool. That, that I do. Was... I, I I read some forums and, and I, I listen to what they have to say because um, they have no motivation to tell me something that isn't true or to that's say cool. something about me that isn't true. I was or not. Ex- yeah, you know, Ethan. I, I mean, I, there, there, listen. There's going to be a time now because unfortunately, I've become a popular comic book artist. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much better to be under the radar in a lot of ways. Just, just an adequate, you know, cult following type of comic book artist, but um, I'm, I'm fortunate in, in that um, I've, I've gotten a pretty large following now, and so 
there's going to be a time, and it happened to Alex Ross, and it happened to Jim Lee, and it happened to Todd McFarlane, and it happened to a lot of a lot of different artists, where there a certain segment of their reading population turns against you just because you're popular. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. you have to kind of recognize that feedback for what it is and ignore it. But I don't think that's happening to me yet. I think right now any negative feedback that I that I get or um, ideas that I hear about my own work is they're genuine and sincere and helpful. Um, so you know the the best way to grow I've always thought is to you know to to take that feedback to heart and try to learn from it. I mean after all it's just comic book art. You know what I mean? It, the, the the good thing about being a comic book artist is that I don't think it's so personal. I, I think, uh, you know, this is why I would hate to be a writer, is I think writing is very personal. Um, you know, writing com- really does kind of come from your soul. And if, you're, if, you're, if you produce a piece of work, a piece of literature, and somebody reads it and uh, they say, oh, my God, that was so stupid, <laughs> well, I would feel like that meant that I was stupid. And maybe it would mean that I was stupid. Because it, it was my writing, you know what I mean? It came from my brain. Comic book art, fortunately, isn't that way. I mean, look, it's 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 a matter of aesthetic appeal. Either you like it or you don't. And if you don't, no harm, no foul. Maybe, you know, um, maybe it's too busy for you. Maybe you prefer something lightweight. Maybe it isn't painted and you prefer painted art. I, I don't really know. Um, but it's, it's, it's a safer sort of position to be in, to be a comic book artist, when it comes to your your little feelings um, because it, I, I don't take it very personally. If someone says, I really don't like Ethan Van Skyver's artwork, I mean, I can understand why. Uh, it's just, uh, it's not their thing. Well, I, I, I hope you, you take a lot of those comments with a grain of salt because a lot of times it's, it's just fanboys who just want to complain about something. And uh, Newsarama is, you know, they put out great articles and stuff, but but you know, you've seen we we were joking about starting a, a a segment on our show called "What's on Newsarama" and just read all those negative <laughs> feedbacks because they're just so, you know, it, it, negative. Yeah, and, and sometimes people just want to you know spite you know they'll say say things like oh, his head was too big or uh, yeah. you know just being negative to be well, I mean, negative. That's true. Yeah, but but more times than not, I think it's just they are looking for something to complain about and. They just want to complain, and the internet has become their their form where they can say their words, and people will respond to them. and 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 sometimes it's warranted, but you know, you know, if, if there's a pattern to the comments, then you could say, oh, maybe it was off. Then, then that's understandable. But if it's one fanboy who just happens to write something and it hits a little too close to home, suddenly, you know, that, that right. could bruise your ego just a little bit. It's, I don't He's think the you wise should be... one in the room, though. I mean, that's, this is and this is. By the way, this is all part of uh, um, comic book artist insecurity in a way. Okay. Because okay. I was saying before, it's like, yeah, you know, we we do. I had a conversation with another very well known, very famous, and very well liked comic book artist the other day, and we were we were chatting um, about that very topic of like just kind of being insecure and being like, nobody sees it yet, but I'm a fraud. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, it's, it's more common than you would think. Um, but, um, you know, every now we, we did talk about Internet criticism, and it's like, yeah, I hate it when there's one person. Like, you'll, you'll get a whole sea 
of, 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 of posters on the Internet who love your stuff and who are praising you. But there's that one person who knows your weak spot, who found the mistake that you were conscious of and uh, is, is letting people know. And it's like, oh, he's right. He's the wisest person here. <laughs> and that's immediately what you think. The person that sees through your, your, your facade is the smart one. Um, Emperor has no clothes. That's what I was kind of thinking about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, so that, that 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 could happen. But but I I, but I, it I think I like you that person. I I hate that person. Yeah. I like the people who like me. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, we're the same way too. We like the people who like us. It's very simple. But but I Just think because you're right doesn't mean you're you're uh, you know likable. Yeah. Um. And, I'll and, be despicable fool. And um. Y- y- you know, having any type of type of notoriety. I mean, you know, even us with this podcast. You know, sometimes Big we get notoriety. some negative. I mean, we we get some type of uh, of criticism on it too. Sometimes, and you just have to learn. You know, to be a duck and let it roll off your yeah, back. Those people are. Oh no, I won't say it. <laughs> well, look, I know there's one thing that you've learned about podcasts is that towards the um, end of the podcast you're allowed to say crazy things because 80% of the people have stopped listening by that point. <laughs> Good point. So if you're going to uh, say anything, um, uh, you know, about your enemies or anything that might be considered controversial, now is the time to do it. And or, I'm like, tell us what's going to happen in, 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 part yeah. four, in issue four of Rebirth. In fact, nobody's listening at this point That's right, based yeah. on that. So, uh, <laughs> so tell us how four is going to Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, what do you really think about Dan Didio? <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> I, I like Dan Didio. I've never had a problem with Dan Didio. I think he is a breath of fresh air. He's exciting. And... Um, I don't always agree with with his decisions, but I I, res- I know where he's coming from, and I, I you know I think he's 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 bright and he's a storyteller. You know he's he's got to juggle the entire DCU. Like like if if there's if there's one thing about Dan is that he sees the DCU as a whole functioning world. And so if I have an idea for what to do with Green Lantern or the Flash, he's got to consider how that impacts Teen Titans or something. And yeah. it, you know these 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 calculations go through his brain at a million miles a second. And uh, he's, he's very impressive that way. Like, very, very he, impressive. And you funny. know, who who does uh, aside from the readers and stuff like that? But who does Dan DiDio answer to? I mean, who is Paul Levitz? Paul Levitz, okay, the great yeah. Paul Levitz. So, so he yeah. had, you know, he has to make sure that that Paul is happy uh, in the end. So, I mean, we all have our bosses. You know, we always right. have to have to respond to them. Yeah, like Paul could put the kibosh on something that Dan wanted to do if he didn't think it was a good idea. Like Dan has to present those ideas upstairs, like we all do, and uh, you know. But I, I think even even that relationship is pretty sound, and, and you know, there's a lot of trust. Um, and like I said, I'm a fan. I'm, I, I I do I love spending time with Dan. And the, the other thing is, he does. There's a real sense that he does listen, um, and and. Uh, consider your ideas because i was the one who said let's bring back barry allen now um and really? he would say no i just don't know i don't know you know i every time i saw him i would say boy it's it's time it's it's you know uh, flash needs need, need still there oh, no. okay what happened red 
It, the call just dropped. I think that's where the intermission <laughs> comes from. <laughs> well, should we call him back up and say thanks for the time? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. And Brad, while you do that, uh, I'll do our sponsorship since we have some time. DCBS? Hmm? DCBS. DC who? DCBS. What, They're a what great do they do? service. Oh, my gosh. You okay, hang on I'm going to bring up their stuff. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> DCB service. You can wow. get all your subscription comic books this. from them. Uh, right now, uh, you can pre-order Green Lantern, uh, Agent yes. Orange hardcover, forty okay. percent off. Wow! The first of one of uh, the six-part Superman Secret Origins Did you say by hardcover? Jeff John. Yeah, hardcover. Wow! Forty percent off, eleven ninety-nine. And Spider Woman number one, ripped from the pages of New Avengers and Secret Invasion. Watch the gorgeous and mysterious wow. Jessica Drew re-enter a society yeah. she did not make you know as what? an agent of Sword. If Only ninety nine cents. If we're talking to Ethan on his cell phone, DCB service, we could very easily have run his cell phone battery down because we talked to him for like two hours. I don't, I don't believe it was the cell phone. Okay, oh, yeah, it, it would have gone to his voicemail anyway. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, good point. I rebooted the magic jack. By the way, yeah, uh, you DCB can buy, service. you can buy your yes, uh, you what? can buy your magic jack at Best Buy now. I saw it in the Best really? Buy ad this morning. Interesting. Yeah, still thirty nine ninety nine, something like that, and you know, it's like. Uh, just for that, and it's free service for a year, and then mm-hmm. um, twenty bucks after. Yeah, and uh, it's restarting right now. So, Dad, gummit. Twenty bucks a year for uh, Magic Jack. That that's what we use for our podcast, and it it works. Uh, it works really it works. well. Oh, sometimes, right, I wonder, Brad? I wonder if there's sometimes. like a two hour. Oh, yeah, hey, Ethan, I, I'm not <laughs> sure what happened. We're using a piece of equipment called a Magic Jack, which is basically a a way to get free phone calls over the internet. For, uh, oh. Yeah, and it it, uh, it typically works great, but we've had you on the phone for two hours, so I'm wondering if uh, somewhere deep down in the code there's a two-hour time limit <laughs> to phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> Was it like two hours on the dot? Well, pretty close. Pretty close, close. Yeah, pretty pretty, close. I would say very close to it. Yeah. Pretty yeah. close. And, and we were gonna we were about to wrap up and or thank you and wrap up. You know, it's been you're very generous to to spend two hours with us on the phone. And we always like talking with you, and uh, you've been. So uh, Say again, sir? I said thanks. I was having fun. Mm, okay, great. Well, we certainly would like to have you again uh, on again soon. Um, <laughs> okay. You don't have <laughs> enough material now? I think I just gave four shows. You gave us that's four shows. That's a good point. Well, this, see, the, the thing is, it's not we, really a half we hour. We dropped the monocle of a half hour a long time ago. We were only half hour wasted by name. Yeah, now. In, name in name uh, only. That was my fault, by the way. <laughs> yeah, once Bill became a, a third full-fledged member, we went from 35, 45 minutes to more yeah. like hour and 35 to 45 minutes. Because <laughs> yeah, wow. Bill, Bill just won't stop talking. I, I, tried, but, uh, to, I tried to defer to, uh, to the true auteurs of our age like yourself. But, um, but yeah. we, lo- we love Bill, and yeah, it's just name only pretty much okay. now. But, um, but, uh, but before we leave, can, can you uh, give us a taste for issue four? Something you can reveal. Issue four, what we can't reveal. Well, I, I kind of did reveal something, didn't I? When I say Jay Garrick is fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Professor Zoom. Yeah. Okay. So I guess so we could. This is, this is a dire issue of, of violence between um, uh, the flashes that are not caught in the speed force at the moment and those uh, uh, and, and Professor Zoom. Delicious. So it's, uh, it's brutal. So at the end of uh, at the end of number three here, uh, 
as far as we, oh wait that's number one I was started to flip through uh, Jay Garrick is not actually in the Speed Force it's Max Mercury and Johnny Quick so yep. something happens and Barry yeah and Barry so either Jay gets in the Speed Force or Eobard Thon leaves the Speed Force so we're looking forward to that when when is that supposed to ship do you have any idea um, I think we're looking at first week of August okay week of August it was it was supposed to come out um, the twenty second I think but we pushed it back a couple of weeks oh yeah I think August fifth uh, is what I read August fifth yeah. yeah that sounds that sounds about right and uh, we're you know I'm cranking to get it done I, I think it's pretty good though I think it's I think it's better than three I think it's uh, wow I think it's the best issue so far so well that's <laughs> high praise because issue three has been my favorite yeah, yeah issue three was um, my favorite so good and yay. Uh, just quickly going back to something you said earlier about you know, keeping a schedule and changing artists, changing artists, both Flash Rebirth and Green Lantern Rebirth, for that matter, wouldn't have been as fun for me if it wasn't you on every issue. So I'm I'm happy to wait. Yep. Well, I'll tell you something great about having a friend like Jeff Johns. Okay, Jeff said, Ethan, if it's not you, I quit. Oh, great! And, uh, that's great. That's high man. praise. Isn't that awesome? It is. Oh, I've said good. that to Frank before. Oh, when, yeah, we used you to, when we used to work together, I said, Frank, when you leave this place, if you leave before me, I'm quitting. Because Frank made awesome. that place bearable. Oh, thanks, awesome. Brad. And then I was the first one to be let go. So. <laughs> yeah, irony. <laughs> yeah, funny. I didn't, return, I didn't return to compliment the Brad. I just, oh, oh he didn't. well, okay. That's good, Brad. <laughs> he, patted, he, he patted me on the back and... It's like thanks. Yeah, thanks. Dude. So anyway, did you guys watch Survivor last night? Hey, <laughs> That's pretty much what hey. I said. Well, again, <laughs> Ethan, thank you for your time, sir. Well, it was nice talking to you, fellas. And, I'm glad uh, we finally got to hook up and, and and get it done. And it did record this time, yes, right? We yes, sir. promise. We are yes, looking sir. at it right now. <laughs> and uh, oh, outstanding. And hello to all the, all your listeners and. and uh, the guys on your forums because you guys are attached to a forum, right? Like right. A message board. Yes, yeah. sir. Um, the uh, the comic geek speak guys, which like I mentioned earlier, they inspired us to do this. They have a tremendous forum. It's called thecomicforums.com. dot com. It's their mm-hmm. forum. It's our forum. It's several. I think they said recently there's over a hundred comic book podcast forums mm-hmm. that you can access by going to thecomicforums.com. dot com. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's one stop yeah, shopping. It is and. Anybody can access any of those other forums. So, um, you know, like if, if a, a thread catches your eye that was posted on another forum, uh, depending on how you look at your forum, you might actually go visit, you know, a forum you've never visited before. So, um, yeah, potentially cool. potentially we've got lots and lots of, of, of uh, posters. So. And, and tell you what, Ethan, it, uh, after the show is posted tomorrow, um, we'll send you a link to both the forum and the show, and you can read what people said, said about you since we'll you're interested on, in it. Yeah, I'll post it up on my Facebook. And by the way, anyone who's listening who is not one of my Facebook friends, sign up now. That's, I, I put artwork up there before anyone else gets to see it. I, and uh, the, only my only my Facebook friends got to see the Blackest Night number one variant cover uh-huh. and a bunch of Blackest Night character designs, so... Um, get there, and, and I'll, I'll friend you. Thank you for that. I, I remember being at work one day, and I got a little notification. Ethan Van Skyver has posted a photo, or I went, oh, this has got to be good. So I wow. Went, and there was a dadgum variant cover for Blackest Night 1. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's so, cool. So yeah, it's very cool. I'm going to be able to do a lot more of that, um, including the uh, all probably unveil the real versions of Flash Rebirth number 4 and 5 covers. Delicious. Right. You well, heard it, people. 
Get up, if you're not on Facebook, do it now. All right, well, I, I just got on Facebook not too long ago, and so I, I think I've got a friend request I'm going to have to throw out there. <laughs> Mr. Van <Awesome>. Skyver. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Ethan, be good, and, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank you so much. You're welcome, guys. You have a good one. Thanks, Best bye. of luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ethan Van Skyver, what wow. a... Wow. And this time it recorded, Brad, I'm yeah, sure. two yeah. hours worth. I mean, you know, you know yeah. what's funny is while I was online, I posted on Facebook that, hey, we're recording with Ethan mm-hmm. Van Skyver. And one, of our, and one of our listeners uh, sent back, are you sure you're recording? Yeah. Like, I did the yeah, same yeah. thing this morning. I said, uh, we're, getting ready to, we're getting ready to record with Ethan Van Skyver in a couple hours. And, and yes. one of them uh, posted, he's, he writes back, he says, uh, don't lose this one. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we kind of need to uh, stop recording and download the sucker. Uh, yeah, we, we, we should come back and. Uh, yeah. So I I have to I have to say Ethan talking about working with um with Grant Morrison fascinating yeah. absolutely yeah. oh heck yes and you know what that that explain I think that and this is all conjecture people I'm not, I'm not putting words in Ethan's mouth but I think this kind of explains a little bit of why maybe Final Crisis was so screwy. You yeah, know? that was a very interesting. I just yeah, that that was some insight that um, that I think uh, we we can all have fun with. Um, yeah, because we that's just you, you don't hear that kind of stuff every day. No, I mean, and you, he, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't saying anything negative about no. about uh, Grant. He was just kind of saying how he isn't. Just fascinating, fascinating yeah. stuff. It no, and again, coming was. coming from somebody who's just fascinated by Grant Morrison, I I thought that was just. I thought that was wonderful. I was biting my tongue a lot during the Grant Morrison well, discussion. I, I, I think you, you know, I mean, you you don't want to you don't want to put him in a position to where no, he has to defend or right. Or, you That's know, why I was like biting him. my tongue. You know, I respect everyone's opinion. I just don't agree with them all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. We do have two hours. Let's save the. Let's end this so we make sure we have a show. <laughs> let's Boiler, end boilerplate. Boilerplate. Thank you for listening to a half hour wasted. You can catch us. Oops, my mic went down. There what is boilerplate? Uh, half uh, half hour wasted at no half hour wasted at gmail Visit us on the comic forums. Uh, listen to the Legion of Dudes comes out every Thursday in the same feed, and we're going to wrap it up right now, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to a half hour wasted. We'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Did you buy tickets?